so welcome to another episode of screen refresh a show that i forget my intro to <laughs> you should just pre-record it <laughs> that's definitely how the episode's starting <laughs> <laughs> hold, hold up a second in a world where nostalgia rages across the land where everyone and their mother has a podcast where there's still a movie trailer guy who says in a world Three friends revisit films, shows, and games that molded them as they search for answers to life, the universe, and everything in between. Settle in and join us for Screen Refresh. Thank you for joining us for another episode of Screen Refresh. If you're listening to this, it is the first Monday of the month. So every month we come back and we end up taking a look at all of the shows, games, and movies that we grew up on to see if they hold up at all or kind of if our tastes have changed. So as always, this is Tim speaking with the rest of our hosts, Dean and Nick. Hello there. Hi, it's me, Dean. And today we're going to be doing a very special episode that is very near and dear to all of our hearts. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2, Secret of the Ooze. We're going to Tarantino this. We're going to start with the second. And then we're going to, then the next episode we will do the first half of the first movie and then pause and then we'll go to the third movie. And then come back and do the, the first, the last half of the first movie in a separate episode. Did you like the animated one? Uh, TMNT from like 2012 yeah. or whatever. The unofficial fourth movie. Uh, I like parts of it. Oh, okay. I don't think I've ever seen that one. It had its, it's merits. Good. I think it had a, a really good, um, it really fleshed out the Raphael Leonardo, uh, relationship that they have. It, um, <clears throat> it had Patrick Stewart in it. Really? As what? Splinter? Mm-hmm. No. Oh. <laughs> As Patrick Stewart. <laughs> they run into him on the street. The guy that did, um, what's his name? Uncle Iroh from Avatar. He is the voice of Splinter in that. Oh, okay. That makes more sense. I thought they William Fichtered it. <laughs> who, uh, who, 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 who is Patrick Stewart in the movie? You can't just say that. <laughs> You're giving us your Jimmy Stewart. Oh, 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 oh. You can't just say that, Nick. You have to, you have to, you have to give us some context. I don't know he where was that the, went. He was the antagonist, sort of. The non-shredder antagonist. Yeah, I got you. Karai is in it though. I don't pay attention to that new stuff. I saw it <laughs> once, and that was enough. Oh well, I, I liked it. <laughs> it. It had it had good moments. Um, so Secret of the Ooze opening March 22nd, 1991 against Defending Your Life, an Albert Brooks comedy. Uh, and two days prior, The Giver, which at some point we'll end up covering because that was one of my childhood favorites. Um, you referenced that in our in the Predator episode as the uh, you thought the original Predator design looked like a Giver villain. I, I have no idea what that is. Well, you will see The Giver and you'll... <laughs> see what exactly i'm talking about there it's it's fun it also has mark hamill in it so it's um, my fourth favorite mark hamill movie (laughs) so it doesn't seem to have a split demographic there in terms of uh people going out to watch tmnt2 in march 22nd of 1991 although the the rest of the month did have uh new jack city (laughs) uh the hard way with michael j fox and um james woods (laughs) 
and uh, career opportunities with Jennifer Connelly and Little Monsters Frank Whaley. Uh, also on the, I guess, international point, uh, Dragon Ball Z Lord Slug came out the same week as or around the same week as Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2, uh, which we wouldn't receive until uh, like 2004 when they slapped a disturbed soundtrack and put it on a VHS and every <laughs> FYE you can find at the mall. They they I didn't know they made features out of that. Like I thought it was I guess like, to me, it's just a television show. Oh, yeah, they had like uh, 16 movies or something like that at this point. Well, um, yeah, shows how much I know about Dragon Ball. So join us next month for Dragon Ball Z, Lord Slug. So no, thank you. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> with our guest hosts. Um, so as far as Secret of the Ooze, what was everybody's childhood rumblings of this movie? I think I said on our first episode um, that I went to see this like with my turtle shell on. Or I think I said I might have gone to see the first movie with my turtle shell on. I think it was actually this movie. I think I was maybe slightly too young to remember seeing the first movie. Truth be told, I couldn't tell you if I saw it in the theater or not. But I think I definitely saw Secret of the Ooze with my turtle shell. I was the envy of every child in the theater. Um, but I had to take it off anyway because what, what turtle? Michelangelo, bruh. Yeah, Mike was Mikey was my favorite and is still my favorite. Uh, I had to take the shell off though because it it doesn't it's not compatible with movie scenes. <laughs> no, not not at all. <laughs> they never thought that far ahead. They didn't know that eventually. Uh, <laughs> that was a hard plastic films. one too, right? Yeah. And it wasn't like the the um, backpack one that you can get at like Hot Topic now, <laughs> right? Yeah, so my my first exposure to the movie was, yeah, in the theater in March, probably, with seeing it with my aunt. And now, was it like out of the gate, you just loved it, or? Well, for sure. Yeah, I mean, I, I, eat, I ate, slept, and breathed turtles at the time. That's pretty much... You weren't a popular kid unless you had at least, like, one turtle-themed birthday party. <laughs> I... Did I? I probably did. I'd have to ask my mom. I don't remember any birthday parties, but there must have been you, one. You went in costume to the premiere. So that's <laughs> if you didn't, I'll, I'll let it slide. So now I have something to uh, blame all my childhood on. I never had a turtle themed birthday party. Those are the memories I repressed in therapy. <laughs> Paid a lot of money to fix these. So did you, um, by that point, were you a fan of like the the figures and the uh, the toys and the cartoon, or were you already like deep into the first movie? I know I'll answer Nick, then you can tell your side of the story. I know I, there's home movie evidence of me in like a diaper opening presents on Christmas morning, like too young to remember just turtle figure after turtle figure. So I was like deep into the cartoon uh, obviously too young for the comics, which came out in like 84, I think 84, 85. Um, that I, I'm only just getting into the comics today. So that really didn't enter my world until much later into my fandom. But, um, yeah, I was deep into the cartoon. That's what got me hooked on turtles first. And I think just my inherent love of movies, like just, there was like a, a transition there to that becoming like what I fixated on as I grew up. Like that was my, 
love was was the films. Well, hopefully, fingers crossed with uh, Daredevil coming into the MCU for the movies that will get the the Turtles crossover we have been owed for years. Damn you, Kevin Eastman. <laughs> I mean, for so for anybody unaware out there, um, I guess the as the story goes, the beginning of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, where they have the ooze that hits them and all that, and they turn to the turtles. Um, supposedly, it was the same uh, ooze or toxic waste that crashes into Matt Murdock that turns him into Daredevil. And that's the whole reason why the ninja clan that fights Daredevil is the hand. The clan that fights the turtles are the foot clan. Um, and it was kind of a, a parallel there. So we have a movie that's the turtles versus Batman or something like that that came out a couple of years ago. But we don't have a Daredevil teams up with the turtles yet to save Hell's Kitchen. Yeah, they got to bridge that Marvel uh, bridge that Marvel gap. So I guess they just don't have any good pizza places there. <laughs> <laughs> So kids, write your letters, send them into uh, Disney and Marvel asking for your Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles crossover. Um, so Nick, how did you, like, what was your original experience with the Turtles or specifically TMNT2? I don't know. I don't know where it came from. It just, it was. <clears throat> that was always, I don't remember my first exposure to it. We're talking like the earliest wakes of the start of my memory. And I just remember Turtles being there. Um, I remember the show. I remember, you know, the turtle birthday, um, a lot of the toys, absolutely the cartoon. Um, I don't remember seeing the second one in theaters. If I even did, I did see the third one. I remember going to the theater for that, but at least for the first two, definitely were home video, constant rewatches. And, um, yeah, they just Pizza Hut commercials and hell yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> I I just I fell in love with them and then they kind of strung me along until Power Rangers came out at least. Once Power Rangers, though, Power Rangers was like, you know, it's morphin time. It's no longer Cowabunga. <laughs> <laughs> you damn traitor. Mm. Well, I mean, Power Ranger I remember Power Rangers the movie coming out and that was like the same excitement as when I first saw Turtles. Um, which I don't know if that's held up at all, but I know it was that same excited feeling of seeing martial arts action with costumes, which I guess actually the um, the actor who did the suit work for, I want to say Razar, yeah, Mark Ginther was Lord Zed in Power Rangers the movie. Hmm. He got typecast as a fully costumed bad man. <laughs> All it takes is just like Kane Hodder. <laughs> all it takes is two classic films. <laughs> and overplayed Michael Myers. I don't know. So this the slasher or the comedian? <laughs> Mike Myers. Yeah. Who played Mike Myers? Wait, which one was in the, the Love Guru? <laughs> <laughs> so this may surprise you, but I originally saw Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2 um, after my family taped it from an HBO free preview weekend. <laughs> And Same old we story. Wore it out. It's a tale as old as time. So you're going to get a call from HBO. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm going to get a bill from HBO. Time to uh, sir, you owe us plus interest with inflation. Two thousand yeah. dollars. Time to cough up all that turtle money. Um, so yeah, like we we watched that. We actually had um, TMNT one 
and TMNT2 both taped onto the same tape. So it was always seen as a double feature for me. Although as a kid, I feel like I watched the second one more often just because I feel like the second one is a a lighter, more fun in terms of, I guess, stakes and whatnot. The first one was a little more serious while still being like fun turtle action. Um, now, I mean, both of them are perfect in my head, um, even going back and checking out things now. But I know as a child, the second one was the one that kind of lit my fire more often. The first one was scary as a child. Yeah, I feel as like a child, like when Raph is screaming, like, you know, damn, like as a child, that kind of freaked me out. There's nothing like to be scared about, but looking at it from the eyes of like a three or four year old. Yeah, it's kind of like a little, little scary. The whole movie was dark. I love it. Figuratively. I love it. Yeah. No, I mean, it was, I don't know. I kind of look at it the same way, like growing up, um, certain movies have a stronger impact during a certain age. And then as I grow older, like Team T2 was a lot more fun for me for the same exact reasons. It was just more lighthearted, more um, definitely more catered to kids. Whereas the first one was like, this is how we're going to treat it just straight from the comics. It's going to be, you know, dark. It's going to be gritty. It's going to be meant for everybody, not just for kids. And it just didn't strike the same kind of chords with me the, the with the first one anyway. Yeah, I mean, like the, the second, the <laughs> there was never really any um, stakes in terms, I guess, of danger for the characters it felt like the first one between the attack on april o'neill's place and the destruction of the antique shop and then it's like a little melancholy that even before that scene she talks about how she opened the antique shop because she feels closer to her uh, was it like grandfather who used to love it and then the place gets burnt down um them having to spend the time at the farm which was like, I mean, granted, it was spotted with the the comedy relief with Casey Jones in April, but um, still seemed like a, a more dour point compared to TMNT2, um, which it's nice that they weren't all the same note or they weren't all the same tone, I guess, because then you can enjoy both of them for what they were each, um, which I'll love to go back and do the first one, too, at some point. Yeah, when's the last time you guys saw the first one? Because I had watched the first one much more. I honestly, before I watched TMNT 2 yesterday, before we recording today, I don't think I'd seen it in, man, 15 years, maybe like longer, maybe even since I was a kid. I probably watch it once a year. Yeah, I was going to say, I think the last time I watched one, I think on Monday... And then I watched two yesterday. I think the last time I saw either one or it might have been last time I saw one was um, when we first moved up to Massachusetts. I think we watched at the house and ordered pizza. But other than that, like before that, I hadn't seen it in years. My classic childhood movies, I tend to kind of keep close to the chest and watch regularly. I don't really watch new stuff as much. New. Wait, what do you mean? New movies like. Rewatch or just yeah, I just rewatch a lot of the old stuff. 
I mean, that I grew up with. I feel like it's the same case. Like after a while, I don't find a ton of new music. I just <laughs> keep yeah. hitting playlists that I that's, used to that's like. That's the best way of putting it. I'm not really listening to anything new. It's just I'm still listening to the same crap I went to high school with, you know, and it's kind of the same thing with movies. Like the first 20 years of my life are pretty defining with the movies that I enjoy. So those are the ones that I kind of keep watching. Thankfully, it's a longer list of movies and, you know, songs, but. A two-hour movie goes a lot further than a single three-minute song. I mean, it's like the cinematic equivalent of the uh, the guy at the bar always talking about that one high school football game. We found the one that kind of does it for us, and we'll just keep rewatching those. Yeah. So it's we're almost coming up on what? Thir- is it 30 years? I can't do math. Long enough. Don't do the math. Oh, yeah. you're. Oh, my God. It's 2021. March 22nd, 1991. In one month, it'll be the 30th anniversary. Oh, well, that's timed well. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Because if we missed it, we'd have to wait another 30 years. So this one was directed by Michael Pressman, um, who I I know some of his stuff. I never really um, saw too much of it. I don't know if you guys knew anything from him. He did uh, Dr. Detroit with Dan Aykroyd, Some Kind of Hero with Richard Pryor. Um, and a ton of like primetime TV, like uh, Law and Order SVU, Chicago Med, Grey's Anatomy, um, all of those ones from there. Uh, yeah, I saw that he I saw that he seemed like he started with features and then went into TV, came out to do uh, Turtles in like in 91 and then went right back into television. Yeah. So which like l- looking at it, it's he seems to have consistent work. And from what he did on Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, too, it was a great job. I mean, it it was a lot of fun. Um, I don't really know too, too much out of the other stuff to really compare it to. Like, I I was never really clamoring to see Dr. Detroit, but um, might take a look at some of his other earlier stuff, like Boulevard Nights or something, just to kind of see what other stuff he might have done. I feel like the the writer had kind of uh, less that I had noticed. Uh, other than the first Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, just some episodes of like Wonder Years and whatnot. Um, so all in all, kind I thought of that a, was interesting. Uh, we've, I keep finding these connections from the movies that we've watched. Just these couple we've seen <laughs> since the, with Fred Savage and Little Monsters, he's in the Wonder Years. And it's just it's like it's like a small world so far just on the few movies we've watched. It's the, with screen, the crew. It's the screen over. refresh greater universe theory. <laughs> So, yeah, more Wonder Years. Um, So, yeah, it was kind of a surprise that it's the the writer just kind of popped out, did Wonder Years, did Teenage Mutant Turtles one and two. Um, And he had he had the co-writer on the first movie, but I think he's flying solo on the second one on this one. Yeah. So I don't know how much you guys took a look into the the casting on this before we kind of get started into the actual the plot and the movie and whatnot. Yeah. but I mean, I always feel like I show up to a test without doing any of the homework. Whenever you ask that question, <laughs> it's just a segue for me to talk more. Um, <laughs> Paige Turco taking over for Judith Hogue on April O'Neil. Um, that actually was a question that I brought up later, which I will remove from my notes. But I was <laughs> curious about that. So, like, why? And I see her doing like the press tour kind of circuit now doing um you know her promoting that she was in the first movie and it always made me wonder like why did she end up 
not reprising her role for the second or the third because she could have come back for the third but didn't also yeah i had that question too and i just and i i didn't look any further into it but on imdb it lists some reason as like i i I don't want to say anything that's wrong but like the director didn't like or somebody didn't like how she was defending the treatment of the stunt people in the first movie or in like long hours or something. So it seems like there was just some behind the scenes drama that like created. They didn't ask her to come back because of, you know, whatever happened behind mm-hmm. the scenes, which yeah. is unfortunate. But, you know, I mean, yeah. it's unfortunate for her and to not be able to continue. But I don't really know the story and I'm not going to make rumors or say things, say something. I don't really know what the facts are. Yeah, which is a shame. Like, I know Paige Turco did a a fine job as far as April O'Neil in this one, but I I really did love Judith Hogue in the first movie, which I know she came back, um, as you said, like more recently. Um, I saw Judith Hogue pop up in terms of on like Instagram and things, and she did like a QA and a and talking about working on um, like the new action figures or something that were coming out. Um, So it's fun to see that everybody's kind of still involved in the the Teenage Mutant Turtles world from there. Yeah, she was like spearheading like some uh, uh, reunions, like Zoom reunions with cast members and crew members. Yeah. That are fun to watch. Which I also feel like coming into the second movie, April O'Neil has, I feel like, less of a a large role. Um, Yeah, I was going to say that it's they, they didn't write too much for her to do, I don't think like as far as too proactively yeah it's more front loaded and then i feel like after the once um david warner kind of comes into the picture with the turtles she kind of takes more of a a back seat to things right yeah so i think Paige did a fine job and i don't know if it would have been different if judith was still in the movie but i think it's at that point just the writing like they didn't give her too much to do yeah i mean it, it may be the same case as like um Elias Cotes or Elias Cotes, whatever, his, however you pronounce his name, um, not being in the second one at all, but it's probably just because they didn't have any part written that need like Casey Jones to come in. Um, so it might just well, be the same case with her of, yeah, they have the character because it's April O'Neil, but they didn't really have too much in mind for her to have to do. So again, I didn't do too much digging on it and take the IMDb facts, quote unquote, with a grain of salt. But I guess it was like, Casey, with with the second movie being much more kid friendly, I guess, in its tone, they were like, Casey's too violent and like not fitting with that tone. (laughs) (laughs) I think they actually wrote Kino like we want to replace this character with something else. And that's why. And they liked Ernie Reyes from, you know, their experience with him on as Donnie's double on the stunt double in the first movie. So they wrote the part for of Kino for Ernie Reyes to replace Casey Jones. That which, makes sense. Which I like nothing against Ernie Reyes. He does. He's it's fine. It's good. But it sucks that they. I I'm not in favor of the tone of going towards the cartoon. Like I liked the first tone. I wish it kind of stayed in that realm. I think they. It was with the runaway success and like all the flack they got from parents about the violence and stuff. It was like they you know, they made their decisions and. I wish it was would have been different, but well, it makes uh, sense. Like, you know, one of the main characters has two swords with him through the whole movie and you <laughs> see him use them once. And that's to use it as like a swinging point from the ceiling. Right. Well, 
we'll get to another point um, that I have as far as Leonardo's katanas uh, <laughs> later on. <laughs> but yeah, like it's I can understand wanting to keep to that same tone of the not more serious, but the the slightly um, less kid friendly <laughs> approach. Um, it, I mean, it took things a little bit more um, dramatic in terms of some of the choices, things like that. But I, I still had a blast with this one. I think if they included Casey Jones in this one, he would have felt out of place anyway. So I'm glad that they had Kino because I love the character of Kino. I'm actually surprised that I feel like Kino never took off and popped up later up in anything, at least not that I know of. Yeah, I feel like the only iteration of surf, Kino, I think, surf ever. Surf ninjas, man. Well, <laughs> I'm telling you, they're tied together. <laughs> in more ways than you realize. After New York, he went out to L.A. with his brother. He went back to high school. <laughs> <laughs> Times were tough. The uh, Burger Shack wasn't doing well. I guess in this movie, we don't know if he's in school. I mean, it's only at night we see him working. So everybody has, you know, high school students can have after school jobs. But, you know, I was assuming he was not going to school in this movie and he was <laughs> out of high school. But in any case. And like, I feel like they really can do kind of the Batman animated series approach with, you know, as far as. Harley Quinn was a character that was introduced in that show, then became popular and then was introduced outside of that show and is now part of like the general canon. Kino would have been fun if they introduced him in other things as just like another human friend to the group. Um, yeah, the comics went in a really weird direction. I always wanted to read up and see exactly what happens in the comics. And like they get they come across as like the Triceratop people. The Triceratons. Yeah. And they, they go through some crazy, crazy adventures. And it I can see why some of it doesn't translate to movies well, because that's just like, uh, you're, yeah. I just want them to do a, a live action movie with Krang and we'll get like Cronenberg to direct it. <laughs> <laughs> Be trippy as hell. <laughs> I guess to your point about the comics, it's like it's funny. This movie is called The Secret of the Ooze, but I think the original intent is like totally gone, like cut and changed in the scripting process, but they still kept it The Secret of the Ooze. The Secret of the Ooze was that it was an alien substance. Like in the comics, oh, people don't eviscerate me, but I think they're called like the Ootroms or something. Um, they're essentially Krang people. That's what Krang is based on. They're like brain looking things that live in cybernetic human bodies. That TGRI um, scene has like a little kind of a nod to Krang's people. Oh, really? I must have missed yeah. that. In the that triangle thing that's in the middle. In of the room. middle? Yeah. Inside it looks like there's some asteroid thing. It's just some weird I don't know. The whole place looks like super techie and stuff, but it's right. really weird to see like a, a lone rock sitting in the middle of a triangle. And that's supposed to be like a quick homage to Krang and his people, because I guess there's supposed to have been like some of that included into the sequel. And I never did, but they kept it in there. Yeah. for Just like, yeah, I guess apparently Eastman and Laird were suggesting like, yeah, like do this with the alien race and the Krang type people and. They just they cut all that and like just made it, you know, a science company. Yeah, <laughs> science company. Uh, 
<laughs> and um, yeah, but it's funny they just kept they called it the secret of the ooze when there really is no secret. The secret is there's no secret. But I just thought that was interesting. Yeah, more just existential reality of. <laughs> Like, yeah, (laughs) as lighthearted as this movie is, it's got one of the most depressing realizations of what your purpose is in life is. And like, man, that's as a 30 something adult that fucking hit a lot harder than I I remember. (laughs) You turtles were an accident. No more. (laughs) You shouldn't exist. (laughs) So aside from, um, as we said, like Ernie Ray's junior from well not from surf ninjas also in surf ninjas uh and page turco the other actual human people uh fun david warner i know he's done a lot of stuff like in the mouth of madness or tron or waxwork um so it was fun seeing him in this as a, a more light-hearted thing because usually he ends up playing the bad guys like on batman in the animated series he was ra's al ghul in um spider-man in the animated series he was red skull um I think he was the bad guy in Time Bandits. He, he was Razal Ghoul in the Spider-Man show? In um, Batman the Animated Series. Oh, I had to fact check you. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> um, he was also in The Omen. Uh, he was the one who loses his head. Spoiler warning. So it's fun having him in this just because like, I, I feel like when he wants to be funny, he can certainly do funny just as kind of the um, not even Wait, straight no, laced. Who, who was that? David Warner the was professor, the professor. Professor oh, Perry. Okay. Yeah, Jordan yeah. Perry. Um I I guess on the other casting notes, I I I don't know the story behind why Shredder changed to Francois Chow. Like I don't know why he was recast. Or or the the voice actor for Raphael, Josh Pace. I don't know why he wasn't brought back. Maybe he just had scheduling. I think um Corey Feldman thinks that he probably wasn't asked back because he was going to rehab at the time. So they probably like didn't want the PR of that, I guess. Or like maybe he was just, that was in the news. So they didn't want him back for that. Maybe. Well, I mean, probably that's what, especially I don't know. if it's like they're trying to be more kid friendly in this right. one. They don't want that tied, which but the voice Carl, actor. Re- oh, go ahead. I would say the voice actor replacing Josh Pace for Raphael just seemed to be doing an, an impersonation of him. But I mean, you can't really impersonate Corey Feldman. So the Adam Carl, yeah, just like a totally different Donatello. Which I feel like he he did a fun Donatello. I still liked it. I know like in the yeah. back of your head, like Corey Feldman is still your Donatello. Right. Um, which I didn't know Adam Carl was also uh, one of the main kids in Monster Squad. Yeah, I saw that, but I couldn't find. I saw him listed as Derek, but I couldn't find specifically which one that was. I, I want to say find out when we watch it. Yeah, I was going to say, I, it's definitely going to be on my list um, for the show because that's one of the ones I grew up on. Um, I watched it last year and I want to say Derek was the kid that was part of the group that he, it was his sister that they ended up like accidentally taking the pictures of or whatever yeah. it was. Um, right. But I'll have to go back and rewatch it. Um, there's, I think, and everybody cameos, the guys that do the, or the guys that are in the... Um, Turtle suits cameo throughout the movie, which that's always uh, fun. Yeah, and it's got to be fun for them to be able to get some like FaceTime. Well, like Mike, uh, I don't know how you say his name, Michelin Michelin Sisti, who does who is Michelangelo in the suit. He's a he has speaking roles in the first and second movie. In the first movie, he's the Domino's delivery guy, so he essentially hands the pizza to himself through the sewer grate. Oh, 
I know um, both Michelangelo and Donatello in the suits, um, Michelin Sisti and Leif Tilden, they both played on the Disney, or I don't think it was Disney, maybe Fox, the Dinosaurs show, um, which also Disney. used kind of the, the suits. Um, but that was Charlene and Robbie Sinclair. So nice to see mm-hmm. that. It seems like all of them kind of were connected to other projects here and there. Right. Um, so they had both done like TMNT one, they did dinosaurs together. So it was nice seeing some of them kind of stick together from that. But Frank Welker, who is listed as doing Toka and Razar voices. He never did anything again. <laughs> yeah. Like I, when I saw that name, I'm like, that seems like he's, he's a very popular voice actor, isn't he? And I just, I didn't even take anything down from his IMDb. I was like, oh, there's like 500 credits here. Like he, But I don't know what he was like, would be most well known for Tim, if like that stood out to you. But he seems to have done so much stuff on well, lots of well-known shows. The, the big ones are like Dr. Claw. That's probably his most recognizable one from Inspector Gadget. Right. Well, he I also... didn't know it was him until Razar started talking. Because I'm like, he sounds a fucking lot like Frank Welker. And then <laughs> I waited for the credits to see, like, was it him? I didn't know he did both of the creatures, not right. just. Yeah. Not just Very um, different the wolf. Too. Yeah, I didn't even yeah. catch it until the credits. And then I was like, oh, and then I had to go back and listen to it. But yeah, he was also uh, Fred Jones on Scooby-Doo. And then starting in 2002, he took over as the voice of Scoob also. Um, and also he's the voice of Megatron. Yeah, I saw that in the in the movies he did Megatron too. Did you he didn't did he do the cartoon or just the movies? Uh that I don't know. I know he was yeah. I think the main Megatron voice, so it might have been the show too. Or it might yeah, have just a, been what the movies starting with the like the eighties movie. Yeah. But anyways, a big time. Big timer. I just saw his I looked at his resume and was like, Yeah, there's too much to even look at. He must <laughs> he's done a lot. Yeah. I knew I knew that name. I was most surprised about Kevin Clash being splinter did not realize that was him oh yeah first yeah. and second movie and especially i didn't know he did the thing for super shredder either that one was just like wow i i thought it was just the same guy doing the voice of shredder doing the super one but i guess not wait so who did the voice of super shredder also kevin, kevin clash. clash oh yeah but then again it might have been like i don't know like what movie was it um one of the disney movies oh who did uh, I think it was for um this the song that Scar sings, um Be Prepared. There's like one line where Jeremy Irons can't or like one line through the song that Jeremy Irons couldn't do it. So they had someone else do it. And I think it was like a really popular, well-known artist that did it. And I think that might be the case with this too, that I think it might have been um the original Shredder actor for the second one anyway doing majority like the three lines that he has a super shredder but it might have been kevin clash doing like the scream or something i don't know that's my own speculation because yeah. it, it it sounded exactly the same just like i'm scary now then <laughs> so be it the listeners that might not know kevin clash i think most famously was elmo from sesame street yeah and in the shredder super shredder suit was kevin nash yeah was big eyes that's that's what he's known for. <laughs> his big his big chest and his big eyes. 
Shredder, the mutation mutate him from an Asian man to a, a big white man as well. <laughs> Was that their excuse for the Michael Bay movie? <laughs> William yeah, Fichter is just Super so. Shredder, guys. <laughs> um, I saw, so, I think, oh, wait, one more casting thing. So the guy who does Leonardo in the movie, the first and second movie, The Voice, Brian Tochi, I didn't know, I just realized he is in Revenge of the Nerds. He plays... Takashi, I think. Really? Yeah, that's Wait, Leonardo. The puppeteer or the voice? The voice. The voice of Leonardo is Takashi from Revenge no of the shit. Nerds. Yeah. He was also uh, <laughs> Liu Kang in Mortal Kombat Defenders of the Realm cartoon. Oh, wow. Yeah, and then um, Mark Casso did the the suit work for Leonardo. Right. Um, who also did the third movie. Also did the third movie, did stunts for Mortal Kombat did right. um, stunts for Hellraiser Bloodline and was the werewolf in the PC game Goosebumps Escape from Horrorland. So that's like the the hat trick on my childhood. I think we're going to end up talking about this episode mostly just about the things surrounding the movie. We're like, <laughs> we're like 35, well, 40 minutes in. I feel like all of the people involved with this had so many yeah, other the, things yeah. that were tied into like our our childhood or just other fun, notable things like the, um, the voice of Michelangelo, Robbie wrist also does, uh, the voice of Chosie on Naruto. Um, so like he's still doing stuff there or Raphael, um, Ken Scott, who I think was originally going by Ken Trome. Um, yeah, that's how he's in, built in this movie. Yeah. In the suit, he was in the first movie as one of the foot clan that I guess he was doing well. So they gave him, um, a more prominent role doing the one of the leader foot clan scenes. And he was the one doing the nunchuck fight against Michelangelo when he was like, ah, fellow chucker, eh? Oh, okay. That was him. And then he played Raphael in the second movie. They all just, they put names and uh, they put um, roles in a hat and everybody just drew new roles. <laughs> <laughs> they all just shuffled around. I guess so. to this point, I have to mention this. Uh, you know the name Daniel Piscina? I do not. He was Johnny Cage, Scorpion, and Sub-Zero in the very first game. Like, he played the actual characters that were captured for uh, the sprites in the game. Um, and Ho-Sung Pak played Liu Kang in the first game. They're both in this movie. One of, Daniel's a foot soldier. I don't think you ever see his face. And Ho-Sung Pak, I think, is a fight double for... Donatello or Raphael, one of those guys. He's he's he does some of the fighting stunts. So just another connection there to my one of my other loves, Mortal Kombat. I just realized I follow him on Instagram. I didn't even realize who the the the, the um Cena. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He played a lot of characters in the second game too. Well, message him. But very interesting. So. Also, I don't know if anybody knew, but Vanilla Ice was played by <laughs> Vanilla Ice. You might know him from... Who played his hair? <laughs> that was actually Kevin Clash Puppetin. Um, you might know Timothy him from the Lewis. film Cool as Ice or VH1 throughout the 2000s. I remember him from uh, what well, was probably like I Love the 90s where he's like, no, it's a different, it's different. It's <laughs> I ding, remember ding, that. ding, 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 ding. Ding, ding, yep. ding, 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 ding. It's different. Okay, so <laughs> I was going to get into it at the end of this episode. Let's just get it out of the way now. He he had an interview with the Orlando Sentinel in 1990. Um, 
And in it, he talks about a couple things. One of the things he talks about is working with, I think, MC Hammer, who is also like um, big around that time. And he was touring with him and he was talking about how MC Hammer just like liberally samples and pulls work from like Rick James and other artists. And he's like Hammer, like, quote, Hammer doesn't just borrow stuff. He takes it all. He uses the name of the song, everything and calls it his own. Hammer's a good friend of mine. I know him before he started. I don't want to cut them down or do anything bad, but that's not the way I do things. <laughs> and then under pressure. And even in that interview, he talks about some of the um, things that he kind of grew up on or some of the influences he had. And he even drops under pressure by name. <laughs> <laughs> he also mentions that he got into rapping because of uh, 1980s. Um, Rapper's Delight by Sugar Hill Gang and when I was watching this movie and they get to the ninja rap and they do like that staccato beat in the beginning before it kicks in right. all I can think of is Apache by Sugar Hill Gang the uh, the Jump On It song when they're doing the bongos and then they do that same staccato beat and then they go into the song And it seems weird that it's like, I already know he pulled from Under Pressure. I wouldn't be entirely surprised if Ninja Rap was slightly based on Sugar Hill Gang. <laughs> Just my two cents. So do you guys want to get into the movie or? Let's dig into this refresh. Sound effect, sound <laughs> I effect. Was sound just sound about effect. to say. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the, so, uh, the Wayne's World. <laughs> <laughs> the movie opens somewhat similar to the first movie where it's just uh, shots of New York, except we're not hearing from April O'Neil. We're just kind of seeing New Yorkers indulge in New York's official state food, pizza. Two things. Don't fact check me on that. Three things, actually. <laughs> the first one, I really miss the Twin Towers. It's really oh, yeah, cool yeah. to see movies. Do we see the second one? To... I know the first yeah. one, the, the first shot, I think, is of the Two Towers. Yeah, same thing here. And it, it's just really oh, refreshing yeah, to see yeah, that's right. those Two Towers and the, like, the New York skyline because... I know after 9-11, a lot of movies decided to, like, remove them from some of the shots. And it's just yeah. being able to see them again, is it's really refreshing to see. And it's just like, I miss that skyline, and it was really cool to see. Go to hell, terrorists. I can say yeah, that, right? right? That won't alienate listeners. They don't like terrorists either. No, no one likes terrorists. Um, but this, this, people call me a pizza snob. This <laughs> movie is the reason for it. For those first 30 <laughs> seconds... Because that is the standard of pizza that I hold to this day. Big foldable New York slices. You want that cheese pull, that fold? Yeah. I'm not a like I'm not a char guy. I know everybody always talks about like, oh, I love that perfect char. No, you, do you burn mean? your pizza. Like on the on the cheese? No, on the, no, the, on the crust. Where you okay. look at like the crust and you look at the bottom and it's just like blackened and they're like, oh, that perfect char. No, you left it in too long, you burnt your pizza. I don't know what people you hang out with. Well, no, because it's it's uh, it's like modern pizza pepes. They use the brick oven, so it gets that char on the bottom. I mean, it's not blackened, but it's it's a noticeable texture difference compared to you know the typical metal ovens that 
they use. Yeah, like if I lift up a slice and I like to fold my slice, if I fold it and it cracks and then like falls apart, it was too charred. Exactly. Oh, I, yeah. I, I, I do like that, though. I mean, I'm from Connecticut, I mean, that's like but I have like a that's war fine. against Connecticut pizza. Against? Yeah, I do not like Connecticut pizza. Except what about I'll, I take it back. I quit this podcast. No, I no, take it, I take it. it back. I'm done. I don't like the popular. <laughs> we we live in pizza. Massachusetts. This pizza sucks. Listen, I'm in I'm in Los Angeles. You don't know bad pizza, so you can. <laughs> <laughs> and then everyone is like, "You need to go to Boston." Like, why do I need to go to a major city to get pizza? I mean, I like Regina's, but they just closed I, down the Regina's near me. My wife says New Haven Pizza's got some of the best pizza. I, I don't like Pepe's. Oh, I don't like it? Modern. I didn't like Sally's. I don't like Zupardi's. I have no experience. Hot take on Connecticut <laughs> yeah, I was pizza say, here. All, all the, the probably three people that are in the Connecticut area that listen to this, or specifically the New Haven area that listen to this. Um, first of all, I'm sorry, guys. If you love your pizza, that's great. I do like Tom and Pat's. That grew on me over the years, and I liked Old East Shore before East Shore, um, I guess, got bought out and turned into a different one. Um, grew on you? You're, I don't know you anymore. <laughs> Who are you? You like, Tom, you like Tom and Pat's. Yeah. Let's, let's get off Why don't you? pizza, <laughs> A, before we lose the listeners who don't know what the hell we're talking about, and B, before you guys and your uh, years-long friendship. We're, we're going to see Google search results for New Haven Pizza shoot up after this release. So is New, is New Haven Pizza publicly traded? Let's buy stock. Um, is this stock manipulation? So I miss that like mythical early 90s New York City. Like granted, I didn't go to New York until after like the mid 2000s. I didn't go until I think like my freshman year of college for the first time. But every time I see this, I always miss like that look of New York City around that time. I used to think that New York City and cities were just wet all the time, like it just rained when they started filming. And then I realized later that it's just a cinematography trick. They wet everything down because it just looks better. And it, it's they're right. It looks great. Very true. I thought New York City is just naturally damp. It probably is. In a lot of it's a very moist city. <laughs> it doesn't rain. It's just moist. It's one thing they don't want in their tourism ads. The moistest city in America. Why? Also, we can't tell you. <laughs> the The opening song to this has been stuck in my head Axel, for years. Axel Foley vibes. The, I got yeah, from like there. the. Da, 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 da. <laughs> Listen to Weird Science, because I think that same thing is in the beginning of the Weird Science song. No. I want to. S- <laughs> no, I'm shut down. It's some Oingo Boingo song that sounds very no. similar to that specific beat. Nope. As an Oingo Boingo fan, no. I didn't know those ha- those existed. <laughs> hey, people like Oingo Boingo. I like some of their They're music. I'm just, I'm just just playing you. Yeah. <laughs> We're um, alienate Connecticut pizza fans and Oingo Boingo <laughs> fans all in one night. Hey, you're do- that's all. That's all on you, man. <laughs> Okay, fine. So Kino uh, gets a pizza order for April O'Neil again, apparently. She's just ordering pizza after pizza. Go, Kino, come on, yeah, saddle up. We got another order for that O'Neill woman. Are you kidding me again? She should be buying it wholesale. He insults the local girls that he's trying to hit on. Which one of you lucky girls gets a ride with me tonight? Dream on, dweeb. 
But when I do, I'll dream of something a little thinner. <laughs> he also insults the pizza by holding the box vertically. Yeah, he took the pizza from his boss and like immediately it's almost vertical. I'm like, what are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> he, he folds it once, sticks it in his bag. I blame actually on that part. I blame the production because they gave him an empty box. If they had put something in there that felt like pizza, he would have probably treated it like that. Oh, yeah. But it was probably an empty box. So he's just waving it around. I mean, can you picture when he gets there and he hands off the pizza, they open it and it's just like all one lump <laughs> in the corner. They're like, oh, terrific. It's, like, this is, it's the worst stromboli I've ever seen. <laughs> um, yeah. So he he gets he gets to April's. Parks across the street and he sees fans that seem to be they're just overflowing with electronics. <laughs> Shades of the first movie. It's kind of like how the first movie opened, like they're stealing electronics, the Foot Clan. Oh man, it seems pretty sus. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know what possessed him to to think that was out of the ordinary. Like maybe it's just somebody was, you know, loading a van with product. But then again, the, they look like shady vans and not like official transports. Yeah, I was going to say, so, it, it's not like a a delivery truck. It's just like an unmarked van <laughs> with stuff right. going in and out of it, which like kudos to Kino for seeing this and by himself while working, doing pizza delivery is just like, I'm going to investigate this. I think it's a robbery. <laughs> right. It's like a Scooby-Doo. Scooby-Doo. Well, clearly they don't have that 30 minutes or less motto for their uh, delivery policy. <laughs> right. <laughs> I also feel like Kino wouldn't care. As you said, he held the pizza vertically and put it into his bag. He ain't going to have a job longer. Peter Parker's <laughs> going to have a longer job as a pizza guy than Kino at that rate. <laughs> right. So Kino investigates. Yeah, he sees uh, uh, some doors are open at, I guess, a stairway. I don't know what that is that he goes into. It's like a weird mall. It's like a and subterranean like the mall. I, yeah. f- I wrote in my notes, like, what kind of mall is this because of those <laughs> stairs? And then the more I'm thinking about it, I'm like, that has to be a service entrance because there's no way in hell that's like the actual entrance to the mall. Right. Yeah. He goes to the back alley. But well, I guess. It, yeah. Yeah. Also, I remember Steve laughing about it because he's like, yeah, we all used to just like that's where crew used to sit or hanging out <laughs> in the background of this. <laughs> On the staircase. Yeah. Right. It's like, oh, yeah, it is kind of a like a subterranean mall entrance. So Keenan goes down and we've got. Uh, I don't even think they're Foot Clan. They're just a bunch of just general of hoodlums, low lives hoodlums. Yeah, with pantyhose to conceal their identity. The classic, the yeah. classic criminal uh, uh, disguise. Except that one dude that decides he's gonna remove his mask. Like, what oh are yeah, you doing? say like yeah. Questions Kino is like, who are you? The one and witness. <laughs> Let me show him my face. <laughs> yeah. Well, they intended to kill Kino over uh, a couple discmans and a VHS player. Hold it. Huh? You guys are under arrest. What are you, night security? Well, no, actually, I'm a uh, pizza delivery. A little did they know. So Kino surprises us by whooping ass and like beats three or four of them there by himself. <laughs> But then, like, 10 or 15, 20 of them come out of the woodwork. Like, ain't that just hey, the way? Hey, just beat up our friends. <laughs> what are you Good doing? Good thing we sent 30 guys for this job. <laughs> what are they, union? And that's when the turtles just rush in. We find I, out why they were even there in the first place. But I love their intro of the freeze frame of them jumping down the stairs. Yeah, I, I noticed when they come down the stairs, 
it looks like you see one of them like hit the trampoline that has been placed there for them to like get air. <laughs> like you see him do like a double jump. I missed that completely. <laughs> you know, the ceiling actually looked like it's only like pretty, pretty low. But now, now that I actually look at it, it's yeah, I never even realized. <laughs> they jump yeah, clean well, through the roof into the next room. Come yeah, because I thought the ceiling was like eight feet tall. But then meanwhile, they're jumping like 15 feet into the air for the intro. Yeah, you kind of see Michelangelo like do a they jump off the trampoline, which is interesting that they even put it in that shot. It's like a shot of Kino and in the background they're coming down the stairs and they, he does like the trampoline jump. But I don't know why they just didn't cut away from it, but they do their sweet freeze frame up in the air. It looked great. Yeah, it looks really cool. Even the turtles look great. I got to commend uh, Jim Henson Studio for how well they did the turtle suits in this one. I feel like, like not, at, not at one point am I watching this and I think they're guys in suits, you know? Well, I think also it's, I know watching the first and the second back to back, both were great in terms of the, um, the way they did the characters and whatnot for the, the actors in the suits and the voice acting and whatnot. But in this one, I feel like they had more time or after the first one was released, they were able to kind of lean into it more of all of them having like their own personalities and things like that more so than the first one. Um, at least like from what I watch, it's just a lot of cool stuff of a lot of the suit acting of while they're talking like Donatello at one point having a conversation and he's still like fiddling and playing with the football or whatnot. And it's just a lot of little things like that that just make it seem more natural and realistic than just, oh, here's actors in a suit. Yeah, I think my... I think they look the suits look for the most part good in here. I think my only gripe is that they changed the design of like Donatello and uh, they just seem slightly different and a little more. They're not they're not copy paste, but I think by the third movie, they're, they're totally copy pasted like in their no, faces. Well, the, yeah, the third one, it's just a whole new studio doing it. So right. Also, did they have I, spots in the first one? Yes. Okay. Yeah, like that. Yeah. I, I must have missed. Also, I didn't. Re I didn't notice it in the first one, but I definitely noticed in the second one that they're all different heights. Whereas for yeah, some reason, also his um his shell is all screwed up too. Like you see actual like gouges and like scars on his shell. Right. Yeah, but Mikey. I think historically clean. is always the smallest, and he is yeah. the smallest here, which is cool. Seeing the height differences, and I, I like that they're actually generally short compared to most of the humans in the movie like which is how it's supposed to be but um yeah yeah it's cool that they kept <laughs> that i think there's only one uh, like the first movie is literally i mean it's darkly lit it's probably intentional part, two parts um two parts budget or two parts being one part being the budget and the other part being like the actual mood they were going for so in here things are a lot more brightly lit and i do notice a couple times just because you know I haven't watched the first movie in the way of a screen refresh way, but so I don't know if I'm being biased or not, but you do see like the seams quote unquote in the suit for me a little more in here. I think it's just because they're like in so much full light. A lot of the time, like I blame it's harder um, to hide stuff. I blame 720 and 1080p on that. <laughs> cause <laughs> well, I, I, you notice that in the first one too, cause it's not that bad when you're watching it on like, you know, a 20 inch, like, old school tube tv right. but getting the blu-ray copy and watching this it's 
really, really noticeable. Yeah, I mean, I guess a film before print, it just looked like wrinkled necks, but now you can almost count the stitching on the neck. But I and think and it's honestly, it's only a couple. It's not like it's glaring or anything. I just noticed no. it here. I think just because it's like lit so much yeah. more brightly, uh, generally. Compared no, to the even first despite movie. that, I still stand to it. Like they are the most realistic. I don't even want to say like the most realistic turtles, but just in general in movies, most of the time I always know like, oh, it's a guy in a suit in this with how much they're in it. I don't even consider them to be guys in like actors in suits. No. Yeah, I wish they I don't know. I, I guess it's I don't know if it's cheaper or not. I really don't know the answer if it's like we don't want to deal with real animatronics or it costs less money to do CGI. I don't know, but I wish some things would go back to man in suit, namely the turtles for yeah. live action. Anyway, I'm going to make you watch the new one, the newest one that came out. Oh, I saw the, the shadows. I saw them both. Yeah. I like that one. I still don't like the design of the turtles. Like I think it was a yeah. better turtles movie, but I still hate the turtles themselves. <laughs> As yeah, far as what no, they I, look like. I agree. I did, I remember like when like the Sonic movie came out, the trailer, and then everyone was horrified and people were doing their own Photoshop edits of what Sonic should look like. I remember seeing someone doing the same thing for like Michelangelo, making him go from looking how he does in the movie to something a little more along the lines of how he looked in the cartoon. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I've seen that. So they're fighting these burglars down at the mall. Yeah. Donatello was never in the, at least in like in the first one, whatnot. I liked him, but he wasn't my favorite out of the group growing up. And then watching this and seeing him do the clown thing of like the, um, like the clown punching bag thing. Yeah, and then he right. moves it and then he does the, the rocking back and forth. All of this was perfect for them. Moonwalker. <laughs> yeah. Or the, the Mikey with the combat cold cuts. Right. I was going to say, I feel like they, overall, they made it, uh, for lack of a better term, I'll say cartoony, uh, more lighthearted, I guess, like with the one-liners and the and the goofy bits and the sound effects. <laughs> and then around the world, <laughs> the missing link. <laughs> but I feel like they they gave a lot of that to Donatello, surprisingly, like. Like he got a lot of those, those moments. Yeah. I guess the first movie kind of painted he and Mikey as the kind of the goofball like friends with Raph and Leo having the strained brother leader relationship. But yeah, they really upped Donatello's a uh, teenager factor here. They needed to give him something to do. And yeah. that was just the problem. It's like Leo and Raph kind of write themselves. But because Leo... Um, uh, because Mikey and Donnie share so much of that same personality type that if it weighs too heavily on one, it'll outweigh the other. Yeah, I see what you mean. Which it was nice to see them give Raph a little bit more fun things to do because he also like joked around with them in this one. And he like did the when they were playing with the pizza and doing the football game and whatnot, he gets more involved in things which makes him seem more part of the the brothers rather than always being on outs with everybody. I mean, he's still Raph is Raph. He still does the forget you guys. I'm going off on my own to go robe. But yeah, a little too. Raph. At least he's involved. <laughs> yeah, a little too Raph. 
Um, I guess to the to the point we're talking about earlier here, Michelangelo uses a uh, sausage links. Donatello uses just like a, a ribbon or something to like they're fighting these guys without their weapons I guess at the behest of parents who are like don't want them to use their weapons but you can restrict your children's access to nunchucks and katanas but they could <laughs> they, they're still going to find their dad's tie or their sausage links <laughs> with which to hit each other and, and, and bop each other so I don't know I, I guess I don't get the logic but um Although they let Leo keep his katanas. He, he did. I mean, they all had their out. weapons. They just never used them for combat. Yeah. yeah. Leo I think Donnie, specifically. Donnie uses his bow staff once or twice to hit somebody, but. Yeah. But it's a stick. It's okay. Right. Like I can, I, you can easily film someone getting hit in the head with a stick, but <laughs> how do you, how do you film someone getting slashed with two katanas? Right. <laughs> They're all just knocking out uh, Foot Clan, and Leo's the only one just killing. I think that's why in the cartoon they made the Foot Clan all robots because it's like he has two swords. Right. How, what else that's is exactly he going right. to use with it? Yeah, use the flat end. So you really like kill Bill where he just smacks them with the katana. Like she slaps the guy, she <laughs> smacks the guy's ass with her katana. Like you just do that to them, just smack them with the the blunt. Yeah, Leo can the smack all their ass the ass with a katana. <laughs> that's how he takes out all these burglars. <laughs> it's very different from the first movie. So all in all, Kino seems very nonplussed about this turtle thing. He's more kind of surprised at the fact that it's like he got thrown into the trash can. Um, right. They take so him they out of the fight for his own safety. Probably. Yeah. But he seems less concerned about the fact that these are turtles fighting these off. And then they, he, when he gets out and he gets back up, his pizza that he had for the delivery is gone in its place. They left cash. How do they earn cash? I I had this exact note and I think I realized at first I was going to speculate like do they have like a moonlighting gig like a Spider-Man situation where they're like fighting in underground tournaments for cash <laughs> <laughs> where they won't be as suspected but are they rolling guys in Central Park I think it's just an allowance it's just an allowance from April I think she's just taking care of them oh that's true because they, they the whole reason they they seem to like so after the fight they're talking to Kino it seems like Mikey's trying to explain how they saw him and they're just trying to keep I think their profile low and where they're staying they're probably just so they saw him arrive from the rooftop or wherever and then they followed him and that's why they were there to protect him yeah it's a good thing we saw you coming in here from the roof huh? we were down hey Mikey oh, I mean from across the street ow Look, kid, you, okay? you can find a phone and call the police. We'll start tying them up. Yeah, but I... I yeah, I, yeah, but good. Go. So, uh... Because th they're staying at April's place. Because they're the foot, as they point out, the foot know where they live. Which I now. never realized how close after the first one this supposedly takes place. Because they make yeah. it sound like they just beat Shredder and they can't go back because it's like they just got kicked out of the other right. place. I, think I always so thought this was like months. I still think it's months or at least one to two months. I, but I don't. Well, go ahead. This the scene with Shredder popping up. I right. feel even though it's not mentioned directly, I feel like that is immediately the same night as the end of the first movie. Uh, OK. But then because like Rachel gets the promotion at the end of the first one and now she's in this fancy new apartment and it just seems like 
it would have taken her at least a little while to get her kind of established to that point. Yeah, seen as like April just lost her place in the the last one, burnt down. Then she gets the promotion. Then she gets the her job back. She gets all this stuff. She really upgraded her apartment situation. That place is terrific. That's true. Yeah. I never considered that. It might just be some weird, some writing where they didn't totally were like, eh, we'll write it how we want it and some logistics be damned. But yeah, Shredder definitely, that's like the same night or the next day or something. Yeah. He's in the trash. I mean, like, she must be getting a, a nice promotion for like the marble countertop island and the staircase in the middle of the place <laughs> and all in that New York, in, yeah. I think they're in, Man she's in Manhattan too. So like, that's like... That kind of apartment size. Yeah, she's. Yeah. <laughs> she must be running the news station, essentially. Which is why I was surprised when it's like, then it goes back and she's just like a reporter on the scene. And then I, I remembered her being in like a higher role than that. Although maybe that's just what she loves to do. So it's, yes, give me the promotion. Yes, I'll handle other things. But I still want to be hitting the bricks. Right. I guess <laughs> back to the cash. I was thinking and. Oh, yeah, they just have money in this movie. And then I remembered the very beginning in the first movie, like he's, he slips a 10 to the Domino's guy. Oh, yeah, and that's, that's, before before, they, that's before they even had new April. So I really want to see a side flash where they like show how they make money. Because like, well, obviously they're not thieves and they're not stealing. So I think originally when Splinter came over from Japan to the U.S., <laughs> he invested in Apple. <laughs> And they've just been right. living off the dividends this entire time. <laughs> that's that's what I'll live with this canon in my head. Um, yeah. So they what does Kino do? He, he like le they get out of town. Oh, yeah. He finds the cash in place of the pizza and just kind of like right. shrugs like a huh. Um, because then oh, that's he goes when, to call. That's oh, right. He goes to call the cops. And then. Yeah. Then um, they're gone and they leave a pile of live bodies of the uh, <laughs> writhing burglars. <laughs> um, right. Yeah, because so, that's when we see April's new place and they're right. back with the pizza, which is when they do the, the whole football thing. And we get to see all of them actually kind of like messing around and playing together. Um, April's walking around, finding all of their stuff lying around the house. The the rubber snake, the nunchucks, the comic books. Um, also, did you notice they put sprinkles on that pizza? No. Well, Donnie's always putting weird shit on everything yeah. throughout the whole movie. Oh, true. Yeah, that makes like, sense. Like later on, he's eating popcorn and he's literally salting every single kernel that goes into his mouth. <laughs> I didn't notice that. <laughs> Which I feel like that's such a fun minor thing to do that just like makes them more them. That um, yeah, right. I just wanted to point out when she's coming up to the apartment, that guy that accosts her like, hey, you're April O'Neil. That's Michelangelo. That's Michelin Sissy. Hey, I know you. You're uh, uh, April O'Neil. April O'Neil. Yeah, the news lady. <laughs> so uh, how are things in the action news biz? Huh? Uh, pretty tiring. Mostly. Oh, huh. that's his cameo in this movie. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Hi guys. Yo, April. Hey. What it is? Yeah. We brought the dinner. Let's see. Ah, uh, pizza. Yep. Again. Pepperoni. Please, please. Uh. A moment to reflect. Ah. Ah. <laughs> ah. Watching this now and um, years later, and seeing their interactions with each other and their interactions with Splinter. All I can think of is after years of I, like I've been recently watching rewatching the old 90s animated X-Men show 
And Leonardo is Cyclops and Raphael is just Wolverine to Splinter's Professor X. Yeah, I see that. Which I guess makes Donnie a beast and Mikey Iceman. Donnie's Jubilee. Um, (laughs) Shredder's Jubilee. I have no basis for that. (laughs) Jubilation of Rokusaki. Um, We get the junkyard scene after this with a big slow camera movement over the uh, pile of trash and Shredder's hand pops up. And then we see uh, Tatsu and the foot, like, <laughs> I guess that's for, <laughs> I don't know if they thought, like, Shredder was going to show up. They must have been looking for him, maybe. Well, I don't know. That was supposed to no, be the was... fallback zone. Oh, that's right. He says yeah. it's the fallback. Like, yeah, this is which our... Tatsu's. I like how Tatsu wastes no time assuming the position of Ninja Daddy. (laughs) (laughs) How father gone! They will pay! I, Tatsu, now lead! It's like Shredder's gone for minutes. Yeah. And he's like, I will lead this. It's my chance. I would say Shredder comes in and just deflates him like... (laughs) I mean, it's literally well, in like fairness, after- he literally just watched his master fall into a garbage truck <laughs> and it close on him. Maybe maybe yeah. that's why Casey Jones isn't in this one. He's laying low from the last one. Splinter's like, you should probably lay low till the heat yeah, the comes cops off. Didn't get him that night, but once they they really investigated further, like, yeah, Casey's yeah, he had to <laughs> go back up to the farm. It's like the warriors. He's trying to get out to uh, the farmland. Everybody's coming after him. (laughs) But yeah, I feel like Tatsu really hammed up his disappointment, though. He's like, well, time to move on. Like, we'll avenge our master. (laughs) Middle management forever. And he's like, oh, shit, when he sees Shredder come back. Let any who challenge step forward. I challenge masters. Shredder. So glad you're back, Shredder. Damn it. Taking the cape off, taking the helmet off. (laughs) Also, Uh, so Shredder's helmet looks like it's cobbled together and fixed from the previous one. It actually is the same helmet. They just added those bits to it. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if they did a totally new crown, but like they added the serrated parts to it and the gold. I don't know why the gold plating, though. I don't know what that was all about. When I made the Shredder helmet, I had no idea what material the actual main piece was because it looks like it's some kind of like fiber weave sort of material. Yeah. But at the same time, in some of the shots, it looks like it's crushed in and it's just not something that that material could do. So I I have no idea. <laughs> I get like the kind of sequel, I don't know, sequelitis where they want to like just bigger, better. add and change. And, yes, exactly. But I don't know why the, the gold... I don't know what the gold plating was on his helmet that was for. But I mean, um, maybe just add personality. <laughs> I l- goes well with purple. <laughs> My new color. Um, so, yeah, we realize Shredder's back and he's going to get those rascally turtles. Next master, we rebuild the foot. No. There is only one thing next. Revenge. And then we see April out in the field reporting on TGRI, the the ooze company that we come to learn later. Uh, 
doing a cleanup and they're doing good for the environment because they're cleaning up the messes, they, the chemicals and stuff they made. How very BP of them. <laughs> yeah, we're sorry. <laughs> <laughs> we're sorry. We're sorry. Sorry. Son of a bitch took my line. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, and then Freddy, or, uh, April's got a new cable wrangler named Freddy. <laughs> Which I like how when they're cutting back and forth and all the guys are sitting around watching this and Raph is like, Hey, isn't Oprah on? Raph, just leave it. We're watching April. I never would have taken Raph as an Oprah guy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he drank the Kool-Aid, the Oprah Kool-Aid. He's part it, of the book club. It really just secures the fact that Raph is just a hard exterior, but he's a softy. Right. Yeah. So I it, I, I didn't remember Freddy like being a foot soldier, but he immediately stuck out as like, this guy seems like he's probably one of the imposters. Well, I mean, it's probably because he still wore his mask to work. <laughs> yeah. Freddie, is that you, Freddie? Oh, shit. oh, sorry. <laughs> um, huh. Freddie the Foot Soldier. Yeah, he finds so the the uh, one of the workers with Perry shows a dandelion that must have been touched by the ooze, and it is humongous. Which I love how it's chained off and says contamination zone. And that guy just lifts the chain, yeah. walks past it, he looks just... at the flower, <laughs> picks it with his bare hands and carries it away like a one man war on OSHA. No bio suit. No, <laughs> just, just free picking flowers. Takes two, presses one in a book. Yeah, it's like Willy Wonka size flowers that he's yeah. pulling out of the ground. They used to be a regular da uh, dandelion. So Which, that's uh, um, then we have yeah. Freddie, the cameraman right. following up afterwards and Picking another flower to bring back to Shredder, which is nice right. considering he just came back. <laughs> I wanted to see him wear it in his hair the rest of the movie. Like a corsage on his wrist. Just <laughs> um, balance out the uh, the serrated helmet. <laughs> so then we're back at April's apartment and she comes. Oh, how does this how does this scene go? Well, she's coming home and they're... She's coming home. They're doing all the cleaning for her because That's they... Right. Um, no, they made a mess her. last time. So this is when we have Mikey doing like the wax on, wax off. Um, right. Which it, it's fun seeing all the guys work together like that and like all of Donnie and Mikey's interactions. Um, but yeah, this is when she gets home and everybody kind of surprises her that they've done housework. Hey guys, huh? check this! Wax on, wax off, wax on, mouth off. Hey, <laughs> everyone's a critic. Oh, oh, man. Oh, oh April, you spoiled our surprise. You were going to clean everything up. Thanks, guys. They've cleaned up, and then she's like, <laughs> okay. There's a funny line. It's a funny line to me. Uh, she asked where Splinter is. Uh, where's Splinter? He's been up on the roof ever since he saw your report. Really? Doing what? Coming. <laughs> the, uh, I don't know. I feel like... Coming. To a decision. You've been meditating many hours, Master Splinter. I mean, that word was obviously in the vernacular, like, as, you know, for its sexual connotation. Why? They had to have known that, like, that that was, like... Do you think they did it on purpose? Like, just 
the kind of the way that you see Disney people throwing jokes in there for adults or like it was no. just like they didn't really I, think that through. I think it's a Freudian slip. <laughs> I mean, also, I think it might just be Splinter's speech style of just coming pauses here and there. His Goldblum Shatner way of speaking. <laughs> yeah. I mean, or that very well may be the case. As I said, it could be like the boys. He's just like Homelander up there. <laughs> I could do whatever I want. Coming. I think it just, it was also, it was, I busted out laughing when I, when he, when he says that. Um, but I think it's just underscored by the fact that they all gasp. Like there's, but they're gasping because they're surprised by him, but it's almost like they're gasping at what he said. Coming. Which also kudos to him for surprising four ninja that they gasp when he just appears. <laughs> He is the master. Hey, he is, yeah, true. He he he's the one that took out the the shredder. Remember, not not the turtles. True. So actually, Splinter is the well, not the big bad, the big good. He's, big good. He's the fifth turtle. Um, so this is when he tells them the story of the TGRI canister, kind of the right. the origin, which he said fifteen years ago. I it never crossed my mind that they're fifteen years old. The ripe teenager age. Yeah. I guess that's assuming they age like humans, but I guess they do for the purposes of the world. Which, like, Donnie raises a lot of points as far as, like, he seems kind of depressed um, finding out all, about all this because he, this is where he kind of talks with everybody on, he thought that they were special, that there was something that was unique about them and they're just kind of like an accident. Um, I mean, later on, yeah. At this point, he's like hopeful of like, oh, we can finally maybe find out about ourselves. Like he's hopeful at this point. Oh, yeah. Because this is where he's hopeful. He's like, oh, shit, we can find out about our past. Okay, then cut me out. Later on, the wind's taken out of his sails. Yeah, because this is when we end up at the TGRI lab. Yeah, and they changed the name to TGRI because the original acronym TCRI is like techno, like, cosmic which reference like aliens and the other dimensions and stuff so they just changed it to techno global instead of techno cosmic um and the the canister is different than it is in the first movie but that's okay um <laughs> yeah so they to go do, to um, the, actually your own podcast <laughs> <laughs> um <laughs> yeah so they're at the lab now where we see professor Perry disposing of the last of the ooze. Disposed. Well, you're the last one, aren't you? Um, I don't know why. It's interesting because it seems like he wanted to cover it up, like with a disposal. Like them, like cleaning everything up was like a front. He said, like we're hiding in plain sight. Like we're not letting them know we're disposing this other chemical and that's what they cut to him doing in the scene disposing the last of the ooze but he's so later on when he's like so fascinated by its transformative properties he seems very protective of it but here maybe i guess maybe help me remember did he just not know like or care that like they had some crazy scientific breakthrough chemicals on their hands i forget which yeah they can make a fortune in the diet racket <laughs> <laughs> Which I figured, seen as when he gets pulled in to work on Takan Razar, he kind of just takes the ooze and knows what to do with it. So that's in my notes later, because I, I, I found it weird on how 
He was the hostage, but at no point did he look like he was under duress. And every time he had involvement, it seemed like he enjoyed it. And less so, it was because he had a gun to his head, metaphorically. Yeah, it seemed like he himself didn't seem malicious at any point, but he just worked for either side where he got to do science. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm using my degree still. <laughs> um, you see that one, Dad? <laughs> yeah, but so the foot show up right as he's about to dispose of the <laughs> last remaining ever canister of ooze. It's great Tatsu. that he, he takes the ooze and he looks at it and he goes to turn. All of a sudden they come out from either side of him. And it's, <laughs> did you not see them? Like, <laughs> Tatsu would have had to come at you from the direction you're facing. <laughs> he is a straight up ninja. <laughs> I'm just going to say they are ninja, even though if they're slightly more inept. Like Ninja Vanish, but Ninja up here. Ninja up here. No smoke needed. Yeah. Um, so the turtles are going there at the same time because, you know, what Splinter revealed to them about TGRI. And they get there right as uh, the canister, uh, right after the canister's taken. And well, when they're headed into there, this is when Raft does his like macho, let's do it, eh? And then all of them make fun oh, of right. him and follow behind. Come on, Leo. What do you say? Let's do it, eh? Let's, let's do, do it! it. <laughs> yeah, let's do it. <laughs> it it's yeah, all those line. little things like that that it just makes all of them seem more like brothers. I think my favorite joke, we'll get, I won't say it, but it comes later on. Like I have a, it's, it's another burn on Raph. It's probably my favorite in the movie, um, but that's coming up later. So they get there. They're examining the lab. Donnie finds the computer that uh, Professor was using to mark his disposals of the ooze and realize there's one left. And that's when the foot come back in with Tatsu. Just to like, just, so I don't understand that part. Like they were scot-free with the ooze and they decide to like, <laughs> why did they stay? <laughs> They're like they, that too. They reappeared like to like show that, oh, we got the ooze. Yeah, you could have, no one, no one would have known that you would have <laughs> stolen it and it would have just been missing. Right. Because Donnie is so bad at hacking. He, Destroyed a computer by opening a file. Look. Huh? Huh? Active. Yeah. Can you bring up the file? I could try. But if the database is coded, the whole system might go down. Do it! Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, 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 oh, right. Right. Oh. 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 <laughs> That, the, like, as it an could IT be his big fingers that just like, how could he hit those individual oh, keys also with those in fingers? in his defense, how many computers did he find in the sewer to practice on? <laughs> he It literally says open file. He typed in the, the name of the file and it blew up. <laughs> That's like, I'm going to turn on the computer. All right, roll, roll to see how well you turn on the computer. And he rolled like a negative 20. <laughs> Not even a one. Well, so maybe it was... It's like Alan Grant level of like computers. Like it's just that bad. <laughs> I do like that the turtles weren't, they weren't mad at him. They were just like, oh, that sucks. But they uh, were like, Donnie, uh, you bummer. idiot. They're just like, yeah, that, damn it. We'll have to try something else. He did, <laughs> he did warn them like, guys, they kind of suck at this. So <laughs> either we get in or it'll be a complete like meltdown or whatever he calls it. <laughs> yeah. So Tatsu shows up with the ooze and they, uh, ensues a fight over the ooze. Who's going to get the, end up with the canister? It's kind of a fun little fight scene. Yeah, we have chair surfing. We have football stuff. It's 
It's a blast. Jumping, jumping roundhouse kicks, leg sweeps. They make it look effortless in the suits. <laughs> they really do. Like this was the first fight that I was watching that I'm like, I don't know how heavy that thing is, but them like jumping on the chair and riding it and doing all this stuff just seems easy. You think also like they have, you know, their fingers split into three finger, you know, instead yeah. of five fingers, they have three Donnie is like wielding the bow staff like effortlessly. I just I wonder how much they practice with those hands on like doing all that stuff. But in any case, it shows that they got it right. There's a cameo by a foot in the scene that I don't know how he's. I I just I was saying earlier off before we started recording that he's he's just saying he has like a dad bod. He's a little portly. Like I don't know how he got into the Foot Clan, especially with their uh, training. He's somebody's nephew. <laughs> He's Shredder's nephew. <laughs> it's like the bane of Tatsu's existence. He just shakes his head. I'm sorry. He's my sister's kid. <laughs> I just he just kind of stuck out. It was funny to me. Like, how did this guy get into the Foot Clan? Or maybe he's like a police officer where he just like you know, kind of let it go. They let it go. They eat donuts and they can't chase after criminals. Just let anymore, him. Just but... let him wear the mask. He 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 has major connections into the police. Just just let him. He can't sneak. He can't ninja. Wait, just, just. What if that was the chief? He is actually really. Right? That's why the chief <laughs> yeah. never follows up on anything. <laughs> hey, these guys let me hang out with them at night. It's a departed situation here. <laughs> um, that guy is like really big though. The guy who's like kind of has a belly on him. So maybe he's just a big muscle. It's supposed to be a big muscle for them. But in any case, I thought that was funny. <laughs> um, so they. Uh, Tatsu banishes Ninja banish with his Yeah we get those Ninja vanish golf balls Yeah I always wanted those Yes They probably make them You can make your own I bet Yeah Um, So they get away successfully With the ooze Leaving the turtles Coughing in the uh, Their ninja vanish dust And then Presented to Shredder And their hostage The professor They bring the professor With him So he can You know Work his magic with the ooze. I didn't realize that we didn't get a shot of the snapping turtle and the wolf. Like I thought, for some reason, I thought, I guess I was just thinking of the end of the movie. So the the animals that eventually become Toka and Razar. Yeah, you would think you would have that establishing shot of like at least two foot soldiers bringing, you know, a wolf into one pen and then the snapping turtle into the other one. Yeah, that to me rings like it's like, they might have planned to do this, but cut it or had to lose it or something. Or Does New York City have wolves? <laughs> <laughs> Central Park, maybe the zoo. I mean, maybe Wall oh, yeah. Street has the one. That's how they got them in the um, the cartoon. I think they stole them from the zoo in Central Park. So maybe they just cut that from the script or from shooting or something. But uh, Shredder's got the use, he's got the professor and they... You can see he's going to use him, make the professor do something with the use. We what? We don't know at this point. This was the only one. Hmm. And it's time to find out exactly what this ooze can do. Isn't it, professor? And then we're back at Abel's apartment and Kino's back just snooping around because supposedly somebody ordered a pizza. Very bold of Kino. To like, yeah. she opens the door and he just kind of like walks in he as a delivery boy in. and just kind of starts like, walking around. I don't, puts know, the pizza I don't there. know if it's established that like they know each other. Obviously, she orders lots of pizza, but I guess they're saying that he knows who she is. 
at this point. <laughs> I mean, I've I've ordered a lot of takeout in my day. I've never felt comfortable for a <laughs> delivery guy to like I open the door and he just walks in. <laughs> You know, that's the kind of thing you try not to accomplish to yeah. be on like a first name basis with your delivery guy. <laughs> yeah. yeah. At that point, you're like, uh, maybe I should cut back. <laughs> Although this seems reminiscent of the the scene in the first movie when um, Danny is like hanging out at the house and he ends up like yeah. almost seeing them, except like Kino, very different than Danny, just kind of finds all of them. He doesn't get tricked. <laughs> I think they were much better at hiding in the first movie in that scene. Like they Maybe did they didn't care some... this time. <laughs> right. It's like the kids already seen us. Here we are. I guess by the end of the movie, they really don't care as far as their uh, their cover. Yeah. I like when he steps on Raph's foot to reveal him and Raph's like wants to beat him up. It's like, let me, <laughs> please, can I hit him, please? One last thing, though. I thought you might want to know about this. Oh, 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 you ah, guys. Ah, ah, that was funny well i like when they're all they're introducing themselves or like introducing uh the turtles and they're like all the good ones and to know <laughs> that was that's my favorite burn that was actually that actually made me laugh like that was a good burn i'm leonardo i'm michelangelo the donatello I'm Raphael. Yeah, all the good ones and you know. Michelangelo. <laughs> I thought that was probably my favorite burn and insult and just joke in the movie. Um, like this entire scene. Raph. <laughs> then when um, Splinter's making Mikey do the, what was it, like the jumping jacks or something? And the you flips, hear like the yeah. one, two, and then at the end of the scene when they cut over and he's just standing there clapping. Please, 21. For a movie that I watched as a kid, watching it last night, I genuinely laughed out loud at like lines and scenes in this that yeah, it felt good being able to know like, yeah, this still stands up for me. Oh, there was a fun thing I read that I think in the first scene when they when Raph and Leo do the back handsprings. Uh, that's Mark Queso in there. He's a gymnast, and I guess they couldn't find whoever they were going to do to actually get those do those handsprings. He was like, he was like, no, I'll do it. He, he insisted upon doing it, and like obviously it worked out fine. But they didn't want him to hurt himself. Yeah, because I believe originally he was like an Olympic gymnast. Yeah, right. She's like, so, nobody's going to do a better handspring hand, back handspring than me. So let me do it. Yeah. And so they a, relented. a little background in it. <laughs> he he might have been a little <laughs> experienced for. Uh, Right. It's one hell of a casting call. We need a guy that can do backflips. <laughs> no, but you got to be really good at it. Like I mean, really, really good at it. Also with like a 30 pound rubber suit on. Well, it looks great. <laughs> <laughs> and it's only for one scene. Yeah. So this is when we get the, the creation of Taka and Razar, but I don't think we see them yet. It's at least it's when they first start feeding. Yeah, he's like, okay, I've got. He, I don't know if he's like just uses the canister to manufacture more ooze or like a diluted. Yeah, maybe it's a, like a dilution of it. I think it's because diluted. the canister is still intact. Well, plus, it's it a could pretty, be, yeah, it could be a continuity error too, though, because I noticed that at the very end when Shredder shows up with the full can, like, hey, look, look what I have. 
but it's completely full, even though when you see them injected into the pens, he's pouring out at least like, I don't know, half a can's worth. Well, yeah. plus, like, considering the size of that, like, gate that they built, oh, and yeah. then they just, they don't have anything other than just a tube, and they stick the tube in, they just start pumping it. It would have been great if they cut to the other side, and both animals are on the opposite side of the cage, and it's just all falling on the ground and going nowhere. <laughs> you idiots um interesting too how they knew how to even use this stuff like is it topical does it have to be ingested the professor yeah, might I mean, have been quick science he's just like i guess i saw this work on a flower once we'll see how it works on these animals <laughs> uh so then we're back the turtles are looking for a new place to live because they don't Moving belong day. in april's apartment yeah I actually did like this uh, Casablanca line that Mikey was given to her. That was pretty I, good. I love Mikey's bogey. Well, the lives of two people don't amount to a hill of beans in this crazy world, Elsa. That's why you're getting on that plane. Maybe not today, maybe not tomorrow. <laughs> See ya. And then Raph yet again goes rogue. Raph goes rogue. I thought that was a... I actually liked that scene. Like the, That felt like real brother tension to me where they're about to lose it on each other, Leo and Raph. All right. Oh, this is stupid. We got the foot up there with the ooze, and we're down here playing Century 21. Raph, come on, Leo. Even you could think of something better to do than this. I already have. Now let's get going. Yeah. Uh-uh. That's it. I'm going up. <sighs> no, you're not. Let go of my arm, Leo. Guys, guys, guys! I just got an idea. Two words that could solve all our housing problems. Timeshare. Oh. Not quite ripe yet. I'm out of here. What? Oh, man. Which plus it just makes sense for both of their personalities as far as this. So it, it works well. Yeah. And then Mikey quite literally stumbles upon the uh, decommissioned subway. That becomes their new home. I like that um, setup for that. Only an idiot can find a place down here. <laughs> you know, you'd think finding a new place would be easy. But no. You'd think even an idiot could find a place down here. But no. I love this base. Yeah, I would love to live in that. I mean, live in there. I mean, I don't know. I, I, the aesthetic is cool. When Steve mentioned how, like, he even mentioned, like, the smell of the sewer being on set. Like, I was actually insanely jealous because the sewer yeah, set is probably one that. of my favorite sets in any movie that I've ever seen. And even watching this over again, like, between the sewer, the way the junkyard is set up, even the construction site, like, it's so iconic. And, well, plus, at least in my head, that it, like, that's the epitome of, like, man, if I can hang out on a movie set, I think that that would probably be it. Definitely well, plus, the turtle sewer. None of them look like a set. Like when I no. look at the subway scene, when I look at them going through the sewers, like it never crosses my mind that if they pull the camera back, it would be like just a set built somewhere or something like that. Like, it, yeah, it was all living, breathing locations. Yeah, and it was, it was as good as any other big movie, I'd say that that are constructing big sets like this. It looked when they um, totally when they shot in the mall. The, the whole reason why I was kind of like surprised, not even realizing it, like in that jump shot in the very beginning and it does the freeze frame, because throughout the entire rest of it, it always keeps to that um, 
like how they do in sitcoms where the camera never goes above or below a certain like field of view. Yeah. And I felt like that scene specifically had it. So I was surprised like, oh shit, you know, they're, they're jumping like, where's the ceiling in that? And you never get to see an actual ceiling. <laughs> I'm afraid but in for this, them. You actually see like, it's a full 360. There's, you can point the camera in any direction and it's a full set. Yeah. And I was like amazed at just like the, I mean, not that it's real stained glass, but like that glass ceiling that they have, like in the subway, like it's just, they build a complete set. Yeah. Just to your point. Like, it looks great. I mean, if yeah, I, I think like Fresh Prince of Bel-Air had something like that, where they broke the fourth wall in one episode and it panned up a little bit and you could see that, it, you know, it's just <laughs> top, completely yeah. a fake. Yeah, it's a fake set. Like if I ever end up coming into a ton of money, I want to build <laughs> my office just to look like the subway set. And just work inside the subway car. So join us on our uh, GoFundMe. Yeah, and I'll help you. <laughs> and I'll be there. And my ex <laughs> will be working for you if you come into money. You know, whatever you need. <laughs> also, I love um, how um, when they're talking about places to live and they're like, I hear the sewers in Connecticut are nice. As somebody from <laughs> Connecticut, I cannot vouch for our sewers. <laughs> <laughs> I thought of you guys, too, when they said that. It's okay, viewers. He can't vouch for our pizza either. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> <laughs> so we're back uh, in the junkyard. And at this point, we just get a little bit of a reveal of Toka, I believe it is, who sticks his hand through the door. So we kind of see that these large, whatever, animal monsters have been created. We see them kind of milling about back there. and Well, I, I uh, like how before they like end up becoming noticeable um this i think was where shredder talks about like i've failed <laughs> it it hasn't happened which, was or surprising. which is surprising because it's like that's the sign of a good boss he accepts <laughs> failure it's on He's him gonna... he represents his team aren't these enough for your vengeance the foot have already failed against them i have failed he's gonna take a 50 percent salary cut from here <laughs> to the rest until the turtles are dead. So be it. <laughs> uh, yeah, so we get our first little glimpse at the creation. Uh, whatever the ooze is created behind closed doors. Uh, and then we're at the news station. April is arguing with her boss who's trying to get her. Who I think is actually the director. That's the director's cameo. And it's quite a cameo because he's got a bunch of lines here arguing with April. April. April, will you listen just for a minute? It's a ratings week. Bill, I told you, I am following up on TGRI. There's more going on there than we know. Look, that story is over. We need something solid, something fresh. Phil, I, I gotta get going. You are always so busy. I mean, I'm the news manager here, April. I thought at the end of the first movie, her agreement in coming back to work for the news station was she gets a corner office and then she has like a <laughs> mid office. So well, in fairness, they're not going to restructure the whole building to give her an office. I'm just that's the, a set though. She has an office in the middle of the bullpen. That's pretty nice. I'm just I was promised a corner <laughs> office. <laughs> she should yeah, that's what it should be arguing. That's what maybe the beginning of this argument was cut off, and that's what she's arguing about. <laughs> you fucking lied to me about my office. Um so she's arguing with the boss. He's trying to throw her off the foot story because he thinks it's a dumb story for whatever reason 
Yeah, like um, she didn't just crack the story wide open on the first time with the foot right. plan, like just before yeah. this. <laughs> yeah. Oh, unless his argument is like you're too close to this. Yeah, maybe. Seen as her house was burnt down in the first one from it. <laughs> I think that's one of the few times this movie feels dated because the whole like, you know, you should cover the swimsuit special. She's like, whose interest is peaked with that? And he's like, well, mine is like, I don't that would never fly <laughs> nowadays. I mean, I think it still would. It, a, a more crude approach might not. But yeah, maybe as a Snapchat Insta story for like, you know, the. And you click on it and it gives you like a five second story with 30 ads in between, <laughs> but not on a major news network. <laughs> right. Well, you know, times. Yeah. Um, I just wanted to point out here that this guy that pipes up is like, hey, April, some guy named Donnie's on the phone. That's Mark Queso. That's Leonardo. April, there's a call for you. He sounds pretty insistent. Says his name's Donnie. That's his cameo. Yeah. Fun fact. I love the uh, Mikey arguing to get the phone from Donnie when he's on the, the phone and he gets it. Hey, don't phone. Give me the phone. Give me the phone. Let us know. Please, don't talk. I'll give you our it's number really and later we'll come. No, give me, 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 Yeah. April, it's Mikey. I just like to say, hello. Would you give me that? Yeah, that was good. So what's Donnie telling her in this scene? I forget. He, I just think like, he was hey, just we got a about... new place. We're going to come get Splinter. Yeah. Because they, they left Splinter. <laughs> it's, <laughs> couldn't they have called like the one of those vans to come pick up Splinter? Like they put him in the wheelchair <laughs> and like he's on the he's on the mechanical riser and they come bring him. That's what it seems like. They could they have to leave him behind until they're ready for the, to move him into the new place. <laughs> then they just bring him to a manhole and dump him. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, no. Um. Yeah, so, oh, and Mikey pulls out, like, potato chips and groceries, and that's another point of, I, unless he just, I, I'll just assume that he brought them from April's. No. Again, like, the do they bodega. grocery shop? Do they, they didn't have, I guess there was grocery delivery service back then. It just wasn't a gig, gig uh, work like it is today. But I guess grocery stores delivered their stuff to you. Anyway, I was, like, have picking out the logic, but it's. I'll, uh. It, I'll put in a call to the writer and we'll see if uh, <laughs> you <laughs> Tom Landgren. How, how did they get that food? <laughs> did Raph put I on his it. trench coat and hat and just walk into the local mini mart? You think audiences don't care, but I do. And I think there's an audience for these little aspects of the turtles lives. So yeah, they tell April we're ready. We've got a place. We're going to get splinter. Um, finally get the reveal of Toka and Razar, the new, the Bebop and Rocksteady replacements. Apparently, I was mad that it wasn't them. Apparently, Kevin, well, Eastman and Laird did not. Uh, they were a creation of the cartoon and they were like, fuck Bebop and Rocksteady. So I guess they, I don't know how much power they, I mean, they had some kind of power over these movies, I guess. They said, like, let's do a different monsters. They didn't like Bebop and Rocksteady. I think they've since come around on it, but that's why Toka and Razor are a thing, is because they were like, nah, no Bebop. No Rocksteady. Because obviously it's the same concept as Bebop and Rocksteady. They just completely changed the design. I mean, I guess a wolf and a snapping turtle makes more sense than, well, the rhino maybe makes sense, but the, was it the warthog or something? Or yeah. boar? I mean, they're I, deadly. True. Yeah. They're both, they're both tusk-based animals, though. <laughs> There's no variety. <laughs> so 
yeah, we get a dramatic. Tatsu is like very scared to let them, let them out. He like retreats. The one time he shows fear. <laughs> um, they're revealed. They're awesome. They look they look pretty cool. They're good uh, creature designs. I just got that not too long ago on my action figure collection. They were released exclusively by the the NECA that does the uh, these cool action figures that they make nowadays. These based on these movies. These were like an exclusive, like can't buy them in stores, have to order them kind of thing. And I missed the boat, so I had to pay eBay prices. But they came down. They, uh, I'm digressing, but the action figures are really cool. I only had the ones from when the movie was released. Right, yeah. They The Playmates had their their versions of, of these characters too, eventually. Yeah. yeah. Um. So we see them and realize that they... They're babies! <laughs> Babies! They're babies! They, I guess they got immature animals and that carries over to their mutated form. The turtles had 15 years to, to become the mutants they are today. Yeah. But these are like fresh. They're beating up on babies. So the turtles will probably like this somewhat when they were just being mutated. Well, I mean, Pizza. The, the big thing is Pizza. Pizza. they're not stupid. They're just infants. Well, they're stupid infants. <laughs> Professor, like, Shredder's immediately like, pull the plug on this whole thing, kill these, kill these, dispose of these things. And the professor gets very protective. He's like, I don't know if it's more like protect my cool science experiment or he has actual compassion. Maybe a little bit of both. Maybe that was the flip when he went from like working with Shredder to deciding not to. Well, I don't think so because... I think he was the one that's he's the one that suggested, like, why don't you like release them and see what they can do? And that's yeah. where I'm like, I don't know about this. Yeah. yeah although he, his argument was specifically you can't kill them. They're living creatures. No, they may be intellectually inferior, but they do have other attributes. Yeah. He does appeal to Shredder. And it's like, I don't know if it's like, is it mad science? Like. Or is he just appealing to him to keep them alive? But he does like his playing into Shredder like, hey, you can still use these to fuck shit up. Yeah, like, I mean, it's not a good the, thing. Yeah, that might be the case because the first argument he made is you can't kill them because they're living creatures. And then when Shredder has none of that, it's well, they also can do this and they lift like the truck yeah. thing or whatever. It's 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 just a nuance, a nuanced character, I guess. We don't really I mean, know what is. What if you just had Tatsu are? go and like flush him down the toilet or something and then they end up in the sewer and then Splinter finds them and raises them and now you have <laughs> six giant <laughs> creatures coming after Shredder? It almost makes me wish they didn't at the end of the movie like... Didn't turn him back? Yeah, do they just kind of like took them in like, hey, like, be good, dudes. The cops come in and case. put cops on a wolf and a snapping turtle. <laughs> You're, You're going away for a long time. <laughs> Get used to it inside of a cell. So, so yeah. So the professor makes Shredder appeal to their strength and not getting rid of them, and they still could be used to kill the turtles. Which we get the the fun. Kino joins a gang. Tim, I don't know if you knew this. I didn't know this I again. Did. Until I was oh yeah, Michael Jai White. Yep. That's He's awesome. in the leather jacket and the red shirt. I didn't. I didn't know. I didn't. Did you see him, or did you look that up, or just kind of know about his? No. Cameo? Yeah. He's he's 
standing over on the No, I mean, right. like, how did you, did you like, oh, there's Michael J. White, or did you look it up? Or I like, just know he was in the movie, so I was looking around oh, okay. for him. But because yeah. I was looking at the crowd and I'm like, this is a motley crew of guys here. It's like a, a roving 80s like street gang. gang of just like yeah. a guy in a biker suit and another guy in like a hoodie and another guy that it looks like they just took one version of every flavor of hoodlum. Like streets of rage uh, yeah. enemies that they <laughs> that they put into. I was like, wow, into these, the movie. these are what's going to become the Foot Clan. And the guy that's like instructing them, like he just like looks like one of them. Like he doesn't look like a foot guy. Oh he's yeah, just, he has like a page boy cap a and a cigarette. jacket. And he's like, hey, yeah. oh. hey, you want to be in the foot clan? <laughs> in the beginning, they did say they're trying to find anybody with martial arts experience. So I think true. after the first one, it broke up the entire clan so that they maybe, had nothing. Maybe he's a boxer. You know, maybe that's that guy's strength. I think one of the reasons I really like Kino throughout this movie is Kino... His mullet. Yes, his mullet. (laughs) Like, Kino has no qualms about entering a Foot Clan initiation as a spy. It's just he meets these guys, they fight off the burglars, he goes to the house and is like, oh, you need help finding your dad? And then he just immediately is, yep, I'll drop what I'm doing, I will go undercover in a ninja spy ring. Right. Like... Like... What a guy. I forgot... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> he's all in yeah i mean i guess when you see giant mutant uh, turtles it kind of rocks yeah. your world and you're like uh you know what else can i do with my life now like i can't just forget these guys exist <laughs> can't go back to delivering and i'm a pizzas. badass martial artist and like yeah maybe just anything you can do to keep hanging out with turtles he's just like i'm that's in. true there's a, Which, it's just like a there's like a grand like conspiracy like I'm saving the world kind of vibe. He's like I'm one in on this. Like he he crushes all of their tests leading into this. Which <laughs> it would have been great if at the very end they're like and now for the final test and instead of the bell thing it's like <laughs> they have a desk with like a ten page short answer written exam. <laughs> he's like oh no. Raph on an airpiece trying to feed info to him. It might not look like it, but all of us Foot Clan members have Ivy League degrees. <laughs> our biggest muscle is our brains. So Kino kicks like everybody's ass to get to the the final test, which is, yeah, there's a dummy with a bunch of bells on it. He has 15 seconds inside the ninja banish smoke to uh, remove them without making a sound. But... Raphael steps in and does this for him because he's watching from the, you know, behind the crates. And I just thought it'd be funny. I wanted this to come bite him in the ass later on. I, I guess they don't eat as this, this whole thing blows up immediately in his face. So, but I just thought it'd be funny later on. Like he has to do this again in, in the foot uniform and like, it's like, Hey, you didn't really do that <laughs> test. Did you? I couldn't think of a funny scenario. You copied off a friend. Like this whole infiltration thing lasts all of two minutes well, before they... I would have loved with like Kino doing all of this and showing how capable Kino is if at the end, like granted, okay, Kino's not going to fight the Shredder, but like while the Turtles fight Taka and Razar and the Shredder, have Kino fight Tatsu mm. instead of Tatsu just getting like taken out real quick as a side thought by the Turtles. Right. You know, Steve did say a lot of stuff was cut and it's probably either part of it from pacing or just like they don't know how the fight was going to evolve as they were doing the final edits. So for all we know, he might have actually did have that fight with him. Because what happens to Tatsu? He's at the fight, isn't he? He's at the fight, but while they're fighting everybody else, they turn back to back and they four-way shell him. And he just falls oh, yeah. down and gets knocked out. Oh, that's out. right. Yeah, he's but then taken that's out it. right there. 
Yeah, which is kind of disappointing. Like I preferred his fight with Casey Jones and well, not the fight with Casey Jones, but the Casey Jones thing seemed a bit better than him going out like a chump in this one. I would have liked to have seen him fight Kino. Yeah. <laughs> also, when the jig is up and they Raph and uh, Kino get caught here, I, I love that um, they actually give Raph lines in this one. Like, what are you doing? Oh, we're looking for the muffler for a 67 Chevy. <laughs> <laughs> that, that passes. Continue. <laughs> Carry on. Um, Which also I love how they do the honorable route of fighting them one on one. Every foot soldier comes at them and then they wait for that guy to go down and the next one steps in. I saw a bit from. So, like I said, Daniel Piscina is on here as a foot member. He's actually doing stunts too. the guy from Mortal Kombat. I saw a little tidbit from him saying, like, if you notice, I think it was just how difficult it was for some reason this time around for the actors to see because their depth perception is screwed with like the eye slits under the bandanas which you can kind of tell are there like that's not right and flush in front of their face. So it limits their visibility. So they have to like really pare down like the amount of hits that are going on like at a time because they just can't see what's going on. Yeah. But uh, so that's unfortunate, but yeah, they do have to do like the take your turn kind of. I mean, otherwise, yeah, (laughs) it would just be, it would be too much to probably do in a suit without yeah. visibility. But I don't know. I, I did like, I mean, it felt like the turtles got their asses kicked a little bit more in the first movie, which I thought was nice, like to not just be totally overpowered. But um, yeah, that it's like they're good, but they still can't take on like an right, army. Right, right. Um, so I do miss that aspect of it, but I didn't realize I have to pay attention when I go back and watch the first one again, like about did they have that kind of depth perception, you know, multi multi-move in the same camera kind of problem did they have to like did, it, did the foot seem as inept i don't know i don't remember it being that way but you watched it more recently than i did i remember i mean in both of them i don't think the foot ever seemed really inept um which was nice like it never really seemed like it was a joke <laughs> as far as the foot clan they weren't like the putties from power rangers or something um <laughs> But yeah, like it's I don't I would have to go back and pay specific attention to the way the suits were as far as the eyes in those scenes and whatnot, because, yeah, yeah, like to to me, when I look at it, I just see the suit. I just see the or rather, I just see the turtle. I never (laughs) see anything else. Um, So to me, it's just like, oh, yeah, they weren't sentient turtles looking out their real eyeballs. Right. Um, right. The first Um, one, then they have to look through the mouth, too. I don't know. Yeah, I think there was one scene know. in particular that I saw a screenshot of. Um, I think it was in the bathroom or something yeah. like that. It's like Donnie's like up. laughing. Yeah. yeah. You see the eyes. Um, you see, like, you see the, like the mouth of the guy like through Donnie's mouth, like laughing yeah. at the same time. I love Raph's line here. <laughs> um, when Shredder comes out. You know, pal, if I had a face like yours, i try to make up for it with some sort of a personality. <laughs> <laughs> Shredder. So yeah, Raph realizes Shredder. They, this whole time they've assumed Shredder was gone. So the you know Kino passes these tests. They go back into the foot training area, and then their like covers like blown immediately because they find Raph, and um, they fight their way out. Kano 
I think, runs a marathon across the Brooklyn Bridge. <laughs> it looked like they were in Dumbo, the Dumbo area, somewhere right across from Manhattan. And they, he just hoofs it across the Brooklyn Bridge. Just dies on the steps of her apartment building. <laughs> His heart just couldn't a, take it. Yeah. <laughs> Poor Kino. <laughs> um, yeah, so April, you know, we, they related the info to the turtles, and they immediately, like, just come to the junkyard that night, it seems like to rescue Raphael, who's been taken hostage at this point. Yeah, I, I, for some reason, it felt like there was a bigger break between that, but it's just, he lets her know, and then, boom, they're Bam. all showing up to go help. And it's, uh, they like they feel like it's it's too easy and it's going to be a trap, but they still <laughs> go out there anyway. And Yeah. Then we find out Tatsu is, must, be, must be getting work as a, on a construction sites because he's very good at operating a crane. <laughs> he's just well. Originally, <laughs> when they were still undercover, this was like the Surf Ninja's garbage job. Oh yeah, he was working on a construction site until it was time for him to be activated by Shredder. That would just be Ninja's go-to like backup job is like construction, construction and gar- like service and like yeah. They keep they keep this town running. You know, like they say, is you just gotta you gotta look the part. <laughs> And that's all it needs. It's just Dress you know, for the a guy with a reflective want. vest and a clipboard. He can get into wherever he wants. You walk with confidence. Yeah. yeah. So they trap the turtles here. Well, this uh, is when we get uh, the, it's quiet. Yeah, a little too quiet. The perimeter's quiet. Yeah. A little too quiet. Mm. Well, that was easy. Yeah. A little too easy. Yeah. <gasps> Look, huh? it's Raph. Oh, yeah, a little too Raph. You guys, oh, knock it off, brother. Keep your eyes peeled. Also, did you, I never notice, and I wanted to go back and rewatch it because when just before they get caught, Donnie's walking around. And he's like, "Oh yeah, like with everything going on, like the time for an ambush would be right about." But he has a watch on. And I need to go back. <laughs> I don't know where I forgot. Yeah, that. like I need to go back and watch it just to see like. Is he wearing the watch in any other scene or does he just have a watch in this one? Um, It looks like he there's a strap over it and he pulls it down because I thought the same thing. But it's really hard to tell because it looks like there's something hanging from his wrist. Yeah, but I could be wrong, which I mean, it's very possible he had it throughout the entire movie and you just don't notice it because it's like not unstrapped. It would just make sense for Donnie's character. We'll go back and sleuth at some point. Also, I love how they're <laughs> they're caught in a net and Mikey's remind me to drop a line to Ralph Nader and I never got to see Paris. You know, these nets are remarkably effective. Very well constructed. Yeah. Remind me to drop a line to Ralph Nader. I never got to see Paris. A little closer. But the funniest the funniest thing to me is the fact that Leonardo has two katanas. And can't get out of the net. Yeah. Well, I guess at that point, you're kind of like, you'd have to like saw. There's no. Also, I guess you've got no sawing item. Right. You'd have to swing it and you can't do that inside the net. Well, when your life is about to end in the next like 30 seconds, I don't care if I have. Yeah, I guess you might try it. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I didn't think it's a lot more effective than trying to nail an arrow through a rope at a distance of 45 feet. Splinter is a great shot. Splinter saves the day. He 
cuts them down. That, that bow that he has, though, looks like it's like a... <laughs> like a child's bow. It looks like, like a child's Walgreens. bow. <laughs> but then again, maybe he found it like on the way into the junkyard. Maybe it's not his personal bow. I don't know. But it looked like rinky dinky. Maybe he made it. He made it out of the femur of a foot clan. And uh, <laughs> I remember the I guess I'm just imagining had, a long bow. Yeah, like the f- action figure I had as a child for Splinter was him with a bow. Right. Except it had the arrow attached to the bow. So it was just all one solid piece. Yeah, so you couldn't lose it. You yeah. lost that immediately. Oh, yeah. Kawabunga. That's right, Shredder, you forgot. We carry insurance. Yeah, mutual splinter, dude. Yeah. Yeah. Get them. So then the turtles are out. They start fighting the foot. And then Shredder releases Toka and Razar. Toka! on Wrestlemania and we finally see that showdown start to happen Donnie <laughs> Donnie or no Raph goes to to drop kick one of them and he falls down then Donnie goes up and whacks Toka with the yeah I like how he chalks his up his bow staff <laughs> yeah like a full cue <laughs> yeah. but <laughs> that was good I, I was wondering like when he gets thrown is that like a doll or is that a stunt man that was a great stunt i have that listed here like that was a great stunt because they cut away to like that wide shot and you just see him go like he's through flying. the air and then through yeah. the roof and it just looks like cool. he shot out of a cannon i think that was real like the throw is real i don't know how they maybe they did it I, it looked like a real person. I just don't know how they did the launching. Maybe it was just like on a wire, like swinging kind of deal. Yeah. Like a trapeze, like you'd see in like uh, the Cirque du Soleil. <laughs> they just like kind of start flying. <laughs> I would. But it, it was a great stunt. I would go broke buying tickets if they had a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles <laughs> Cirque du Soleil. <laughs> <laughs> oh, let's call Vegas. Let's produce that. We can make some money here, I think. Yeah. So they, Turtles kind of get beat up by... Uh, Toka and Razor and have to get the hell out of there. I like how Taka tries to follow them into the sewer when they escape, when they go down yeah. the, the hatch um, and get stuck. And then Mikey starts tickling him. Hey, huh? Look at this. Come on. Gotta me back up the splinter. Yeah. yeah. This is the point when the professor gets to see their subway, and he is so excited to like meet the turtles, talk to the turtles. Very nonplussed about the fact that they're giant. Well, actually, it makes sense because he just built two giant creatures himself. Right. Um, but he's, he's immediately more, on board with like, oh, he's like, oh, you're friends. intelligent. <laughs> he's yeah. like, oh, they're. They're just like us. All walking, talking turtles. Mm-hmm. Oh. Yeah, the guy's PhD material, all right. <laughs> They're so intelligent, it's incredible. Hey, tell Freak, dude. We can explain. You see... 15 years ago, you came into contact with a green colloidal gel down in a sewer which transforms you into your present state. Mm-hmm. Fantastic. 
Well, I like how he's so nonplussed about it. Also, I love the uh, the line because I think this is the first time Raph is seeing the sub base or the uh, the subway base. Right. And he's like, amazing, guys. And I thought all the really good dungeons were in Europe. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So the professor is like completely fine with them being turtles, but then he sees Splinter, and that's when he's like, "Whoa!" That's well, that was the same with Kino. Kino yeah. didn't faint at the sight of the turtles, but seeing Splinter like that that did him over. I think it's a New York thing. It's always the rat. <laughs> <laughs> you dirty rat! Yeah. So they take the professor down to the subway. Like Mikey, show him to his room, and he just takes him <laughs> in the subway car. Like, oh yeah, he was like, oh, I want to see I where mean, he's actually sleeping. He's like, it's not the Hilton, but. Actually, let's be honest, you're better off at the Hilton. (laughs) When they're still with the professor down there and talking, isn't that when Donnie first starts discussing the struggles of, like, understanding their purpose? What troubles you, my son? I don't know. I just always thought there'd be more to it. To the ooze. To, you know, us. I know. I always thought there'd be something that... I thought we'd find out we were special. Do not confuse the specter of your origin with your present worth, my sons. I don't believe him. There's just got to be more to it. Perhaps the search for a beginning really has so easy an end. It adds great characterization to them, especially Donnie of them kind of fighting their place in the world and Splinter kind of explaining that they make their own purpose in the world, right. which is for the being the a more good kid, message. Yeah, like it's a good message for being the more kind of cartoony kid one. I feel like that's kind of a, a good thing to have in there um, just to kind of balance things out is them kind of grappling with their existence. And then Doc and Razar just tear shit up in downtown. <laughs> He releases Takan Razar. I know, Nick, you always say this line to me. Go play. Have fun. For some reason, I thought that was Tatsu who said it in the first one. When um, it is. he's at the, which, yeah, he says, go play. But he doesn't say have fun. And I always thought that was his line. Oh, and then oh, this oh. one, it, it like blew my mind back because I was like, oh, wait. So I've been quoting Shredder from the second movie and not <laughs> Tatsu from the first for years. You're welcome. Thank you. <laughs> you educate me well. So they let Toka and Razar just destroy a uh, part of the city. And it's kind of a, there's that funny line with the, the old couple down the street. Oh, Sophie. Some animals are knocking down the telephone poles. What do we do if they come over here? Let them get their own cab. As they get into a cab. I mean, it's it's very like the first one with the what was that? Uh, looks like some sort of giant turtle. Yeah. You going to LaGuardia? That, that's true. I didn't consider that. It is like a, a parallel. I mean, joke. it just reinforces the the stereotype of like New Yorkers are very nonplussed. <laughs> Although if this supposedly is the same universe that Daredevil uh, was created in, then this matches the Marvel universe, which means New Yorkers have to be very nonplussed. <laughs> They're very accustomed to. Yeah. Just other like, worldly yeah, events. Things get destroyed. Things are crazy. I did like the, so we see that uh, Toka and Rezar breaking shit and then we fade in the next day. And I did like to see the return of Police Chief Stearns. I always, I liked him 
from the first movie is a good just stern asshole. Chief, I have reason to believe that this damage was caused by two, two really big animals. Oh, and what type of animals might these be, Miss Honey? Well, I can't say exactly. I see. Then uh, what leads you to believe they did this? Well, I can't say that either, but... Uh -huh. Is there anything else you'd like not to tell me, Miss O'Neill? Stearns, there are two very dangerous things out there. And just what exactly would you like me to do about it? He's the only actor I looked up after, like while I was watching the movie. And um, I was curious, is this the same guy from the first one? And it is, and it's the same character, too. I didn't, I didn't realize that. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's very... Um... Reminds me of like Jackie Gleason. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but also he is terrible at his job as a chief. He is terrible, but he's a great actor and he's a great character. Oh, yeah. Um, uh, which actually yeah, would make I would love sense to see with more our theory him, that he is one of the guys with the masks on with the Foot Clan. He yeah. gets to hang out. That's he's right. not going to go investigating them because he hangs Maybe out Maybe he's with the them. one that caught the, the ooze canister at the lab that I was like, is, how's that guy a foot member? Yeah. So then this is where April gets... Taken by Robert Pattinson, right? That's where Robert Pattinson. <laughs> I just thought Freddy the Foot Soldier. I was like, oh, in a modern day retelling, this that would be. Ro he looks like Robert. He like a poor man's Robert Pattinson. Freddy the Foot Soldier, <laughs> her cable wrangler. I mean, I feel like that's a a big actor to net for uh, <laughs> just a small role, <laughs> a minute and a half. But if we get the director, if we get Denis Villeneuve as the director, everybody will want to work no matter what. <laughs> I actually laughed at this scene because he's like Our master has a message for your friends And I can only imagine like she's probably getting like PTSD from the subway scene <laughs> <laughs> She just flinches immediately <laughs> like, No, no, no it's that's not like no. that <laughs> we, Our organization great. has changed <laughs> Would have been great if she slaps him first and he's like tell him yourself <laughs> <laughs> Freddy you're in the foot clan now Yeah so uh she doesn't get taken. I'm sorry. She just, yeah, it has the message. I was misremembering that. Um, so she goes immediately to the turtles and lets them know. And they said if you don't meet them at the construction site tonight, he'd send Toka and Razar out again. This time into Central Park. I want to digress about something for a minute. Can we talk about the gratuitous product placement of that Simpsons mug? Oh, the one the professor is using? They give they give April something to drink when she's talking to them, like telling them like, oh, you know, this is what happened. You guys need to know this. They give her a drink and it's that same cup they pour the goop into. But every time you see the cup, Bart Simpson is always like facing the camera like they, how they always do like the product placements where whenever they're drinking something, they always got to make sure that it's label out. I wonder if they're just trying to plug like the Cowabunga connection, like because that came from, I think that came from, I don't know or, if, who had who said it first, but it's a Bart Simpson uh, catchphrase. So, so I don't what know. you're saying is the turtles were in the pocket of Big Simpsons. <laughs> yeah. So once again, Simpsons did it first. <laughs> yeah, I think so. That my guess is that they were just like, hey, Cowabunga, let's put a little cheeky reference in there. But you could be right. There could be could be Big Fox taking over New Line Cinema. Um, oh, this was one of my set other favorite gags. Um, <laughs> so so they, they they're getting the professor like, hey, they get the idea. Let's make 
an antigen to reverse uh, Toka and Razor, and that's the whole like plan here to get them to eat the antigen. <laughs> Donatello is mixing up part of it. Mikey comes over with his pizza and drops it in by accident, and they all just look at each other like, "Oh shit!" And then, like Donnie just like keeps stirring like real fast, like. <laughs> Comedic timing on there was pretty good. And that the pizza doesn't destroy the mixture either. It still works <laughs> later on. Which also, when he says they're heating it up, they said they have it at 338 Kelvins. Yeah, I was going to say the same thing. Like, um, oh boy. I mean, it checks out. Yeah, for some reason, like I remember <laughs> years ago hearing like Kelvins used for describing like stars and things. So I thought it was like super hot and then it turns out to be like 148 degrees Fahrenheit. And it's like, oh, actually, that's not (laughs) what I thought it was. I thought the same thing, too. Like, excuse me, 338 Kelvin. Oh, that checks out. It's 168. It's like this blinding white light coming from it. (laughs) But yeah, like Donnie's face when he drops on the pizza is hilarious. This is when they decide that ingestion is the only course. And I like how they're like, we have to get him to eat it. And he's like, affirmative. Yes. You. Right on, my man. Oh, great. (laughs) (laughs) Hello, fellow kids. It's just great having David Warner be able to play like a fun character rather than like a villain or anything serious. Um, So ice cubes and donuts. Who would have thought? Yeah. Then we cut Mikey's idea is to put them in simply donuts. So they get to the this abandoned warehousey place, which not again is another great set. Like um, as far as like I know, it's like simple kind of, but it's a they might have just filled the soundstage and make it look like a warehouse. It looks pretty good with all the beams and and stuff they constructed. So it's another lights on moment. And the foot come out and wait. First, we should observe the ancient ritual of the. Uh... The traditional pre-fight donut. Yeah. Leo bullshits his way into like having the ceremonial pre-fight donut. Which I like how he's the one picked for the diplomacy. <laughs> he's the leader. Um, uh, Mikey starts giving them donuts. And they I'm eat. more amazed that Shredder just allows it to happen. <laughs> yeah, I, no, yeah, that's no, true. And they see were t- how this plays out. And they were talking really loudly too. They went whispering like, Shh, or I forget what Donnie says, but he's not trying to keep it under the wraps. He's like, it's not going to work. Yes, it is. They'll eat anything. Like, as they're feeding them the donuts. So first of all, pre-fight donuts should be a thing. Yeah. <laughs> like at everything. UFC um, matches, like they just sit and have a donut. Like, also from this movie for years, I was referring to it as num nums. <laughs> and I, <laughs> until now, I forgot that mm, like I got num-nums. it from Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles too. Num nums. Yeah. yeah. Nummers. Mm, num nums. Mm-hmm. 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 Oh, yes. Mm, yeah. So they I think they each eat like one donut and I guess that's enough. But uh, good thing they made that like six gallon batch then. Yeah. yeah. The second donut, Razar uh, sniffs it and calls out the bullshit. I guess that's that wolf nose, you know, the wolf with the scent. They didn't see that coming. So they uh, they find the <laughs> antigen ice cube hidden inside the donut, and then and they start fighting. Get down! Uh, 
So I'm laughing just because this is when Mikey gets grabbed and spun around. Oh, yeah. And all I could think of is Steve's story. Um, from anybody that listened to the, the interview with Steve Head, um, Steve was talking about working cameras with this and Mikey's getting spun and they need to not be in the shot. So you're having to run with the camera to try to avoid being caught in the shot. Um, right, so it's a full 360 degree. It's a full 360 degree spin with the camera POV. And that spin did not look like it was sped up either. So he must have been booking it <laughs> to stay in front of that camera. <laughs> yeah, that's all I think of when I see that now too. And when Mikey gets hurled, I really liked his line. Like, <laughs> now I know what a postal package feels like. <laughs> Just getting tossed. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was good. I like how even during a life and death of battle, he still takes time to dunk on the postal service of 1991. <laughs> Not much has changed. I feel like it's, I feel like UPS is, I don't know. They're probably all pretty rough with their boxes, but I've had the worst experience with UPS. I hope they're not listening. I'm not going to sponsor the show, right? Um, go postal service. So vanilla goddamn ice. Yeah, so that's oh yeah, that's it. Mikey gets thrown through the wall and breaks through to the club where Vanilla Ice <laughs> is performing a hip hop show. And just I love how the guy immediately like sees the turtles and everybody breaking through and he just immediately like just look at those costumes. I love this place. <laughs> like this is a regular occurrence or like he's used to like this kind of stuff happening at the club. That was my first thought. Like what else is going on that he's like, this is awesome <laughs> and not in any way a life or death situation. With the whole like, you know, call the cops. Wait, why? Why are you calling the cops? They like it. Oh, yeah. I had that same kind of um, it had that same vibe from like Back to the Future with the Johnny Be Good scene yeah. to me. You know that sound you're looking for? So we're just supposed to assume that they break into there ice looks at them and immediately starts spitting a freestyle off the dome about sentient turtle ninjas <laughs> yo it's the green machine gonna rock the town without being seen have you ever seen a turtle get down Slamming it. even though he's known for um ice ice baby this is what i know him for <laughs> where's this platinum record it's probably it's definitely is at least you can't argue that it's like second most well-known like piece of music because, I mean, honestly, if I ever had the opportunity to meet him and I had one piece of memorabilia for him to sign, it would not be anything for his actual mainstream music. It would be like this movie. <laughs> also, how does he know they're ninja? Yeah, they could have uh, been karate. Anything, they been judo. anything martial arts in the early 90s was ninja. <laughs> ninja. True. Yeah, surf ninjas, three ninjas. Yeah, you're right. Karate in the 80s, it was karate, but now it's ninja. Also, this is when so they they cut back to the the Splinter and Kino and Kino's hanging out with Splinter while this is going on and he wants oh, right. to get into the battle. I'm pretty sure we talked about Ernie Reyes Jr. being in Last Dragon. Yeah, he's like he's a child in that movie, right? Yeah, he's a child. And I for some reason I remember there being a similar scene of like him being young and being like trapped in the um was it like he got locked in the closet or something so he couldn't join the fight and then he like breaks out to go join the fight? This is all these years later and he still isn't allowed to go join the final battle. We should be out there with the guys. No, you have youth. I have experience. Oh, 
But only those who now fight have both. But I can fight. They fight because they must. But it is the last choice for the true ninja. Used unwisely, it becomes a double-edged sword. My takeaway from this was um, the way that he's so excited to go. And Splinter's like, no, you know, you, you're being impatient. I have experience. Can we get a prequel of when the, the turtles are still like infants but it's splinter in his prime and he's trying to protect the kids and teach them that whole time i mean i feel like that's when we got like younger yoda and the yoda fight kind of deal like yeah. i want to see prime splinter seeing as he beat shredder twice at his age and i respect that because it's a very um samurai way that he was able to beat him in the first one because it wasn't some flashy quick thing it was just a single strike defensive and that's all move. that was needed defensive move yeah yeah, yeah. i mean it's it's perfect jujitsu and he catches the knife like in the mid yeah. speech he just like catches it like nah. <laughs> yeah so the professor realizes so they start belching toka and razar That's because uh, the CO2 is leaving their system. Apparently, that's halting the transformation of them back into their regular animal selves. So, I guess I didn't realize that. I guess it makes sense that carbon dioxide is in the uh, fire hydrant. I didn't realize. Fire, fire hydrant. Fire uh, extinguisher. Yeah. So, they decide that's what they're going to. That's their source of CO2. It's very like not graphic but just like shocking they just like shove like you know just how terrible it would be to be sprayed with a fire extinguisher they just shove it in their mouths and sp- <laughs> just spraying what if i just killed them <laughs> yeah like i mean it would, like, it it would, would solve the problem either way <laughs> right <laughs> donnie you should probably lay low for a while <laughs> the professor who is you know against probably killing out with casey jones <laughs> the professor is against killing living things i guess wouldn't have been happy as happy with that outcome but uh yeah that would have solved their problems <laughs> um yeah so they literally barrel them over like donkey kong style right they then and then comes the i don't know where the dance comes from but they all synchronize dance after putting down toko and razar and like i don't know if they were saving that like if they practiced that dance like this is our time now we do the synchronized hip-hop dance <laughs> It just it was the perfect time to bust it out, I guess. But that was just like that, that was a little too over over the cheesy board for me, them dancing to vanilla ice. Nope. <laughs> Still on target. You're for on me. board. You're on board. <laughs> Shine on you, crazy diamond. Even as I'm watching this the whole time, I'm thinking like, man, Splinter's gonna be pissed when they find out about this. <laughs> and he and boy was he. And I mean this was in nineteen ninety one when they end up getting like caught by physical newspaper cameramen as opposed to nowadays where they, every single person would have their phone out it's it's worse when it's not even like they were caught they posed for the cameras <laughs> <laughs> it's not like oh it's them on the stage and they're dancing and you know they yeah, wasn't realize they're being it, it wasn't a tabloid like, photo like they were looking in surprise they were like yeah they probably got a check from it <laughs> And, of course, we had David Warner in the background dancing as well, throwing his <laughs> hands up in the air, like <laughs> doing a white man at a rap show. Um, yeah, so they do their dance and 
then Shredder comes to ruin the party. yet. So was Shredder carrying that can the entire night? I think so. I want to see what he's doing during all this. He's just kind of like moseying his way over like it's probably brooding in the stuff for coffee before he goes over there. To the, <laughs> Nothing's to the working out in his, uh, in his favor. <laughs> he's got like uh, over a hundred different soldiers waiting to kick four <laughs> turtles butts and they can't even do that. <laughs> yeah, he's just like, what have I done with my life? <laughs> He's not such a good sensei if he can't train uh, anybody to fight these guys. In the meantime, they're they're all in there. Shredder's like furiously going through Fiverr looking for replacements. <laughs> <laughs> Side note, they advertise during the Super Bowl. They must be like doing pretty well. Shredder? Everybody, buy stock in Fiverr. This is not financial advice. Oh, oh, oh. I was going to say, wait, Sh- Shredder had a commercial? <laughs> <laughs> Join the Foot Clan. After the game. That'd be a great actual commercial for like a new movie. Like that would be a fun marketing uh, technique. You go online, you sign up for the Foot Clan and they add you to a mailing list. (laughs) You get the bandana mailed to you. (laughs) I'll I'll type in an email for a bandana. And a a Dakota ring. (laughs) Drink more Ovaltine. (laughs) Um, So Kino, after... You know, Tim had brought up that we get this scene where he wants to be part of it. He runs away. He, again, he like marathons it over to wherever the shredders, the, <laughs> wherever the fight is taking place. Just runs up immediately, like without his hesitation, like roundhouse kicks the ooze out of Shredder's hands. Hey guys, I'm here. Huh? Get out of my way. Get out. Get out. Watch out. Don't do it. Let me go. And, uh, Completely taken him by surprise. So Kino does a great thing here. And then the turtles come out of their shells. To all, all, I can <laughs> picture, all I can picture is Kino coming on stage, kicking it out of his hands, and then Shredder just turns around and walks back through the hole that he came in on. Well, <laughs> well uh, uh, they don't actually touch, I think, the Shredder at all. Like, they don't fight him. They don't. Shredder doesn't really do much of anything, which they don't. Kino actually is the one with the the winning hit. He just yeah gets knocked into him. Shredder doesn't do anything. Doesn't throw any punches. Doesn't do like I get he's the the boss and the mastermind, but he's you know, when you finally see him fight in the first movie, it's like he's so badass. He's like the turtles can't do it. They can't break through his defense. I mean, I and wonder if here, it's because just, this is more kid friendly. Like they didn't want them to have an actual fight with Shredder. Yeah. Because there was no way for them to do it without Shredder seeming like hokey if they were to try to do like a kid friendly Shredder fist fight. Yeah, that's my only complaint through the whole movie is that it ends on such a whimper, you know? Yeah. And just like Shredder shows up, it gets knocked out of his hand. He gets thrown through the wall and then super Shredder and then he dies by hubris. (laughs) Yeah, it just seems so like, man, he didn't do anything at all through this movie. I wonder what the choice was like. Did they have more planned for Super Shredder originally? Like, why create this really intense, even more deadly because he's intelligent uh, and a ninja and like good at fighting and then just kind of throw it away? Like, is it to your point where we can't do this kids movie fighting with regular Shredder? Let's just throw this kind of spectacle in. 
But even then, it, it kind of just been. like, yeah, he just like kills himself. So it could have been just they wrote like themselves into a corner. Like we now created this ultimate, you know, weapon. There's really nothing the turtles could do except. I mean, it's fitting for how he dies. But so first of all, where do we find a nightclub on a dock like this? Because this. Yeah, it's cool. Second of all, how does the ooze transform his armor too? <laughs> Don't ask questions. <laughs> The ooze activates his armor, shreds around him, and it's just he's like 12 feet tall and naked. Like still wearing the helmet. <laughs> I want to hear Mikey's joke for that. Like once he sees him stand up naked, like there would have been a good one on one liner there. Um, <laughs> they could have solved that by earlier showing the ooze transform like in inorganic matter, you know, doing something to like steel or something. But here it's just you know, movie magic. Don't ask questions. Yeah. Um, Which also it's cool um, when they're fighting. Shredder does throw Leonardo and he gets like thrown and he goes back right into a backflip or like a backhand flip. Um, yeah, he just um, he hit B at the right time. For yeah. recovery. <laughs> he got like 500 points for that. He got a bonus. Yeah, yeah. I mean, again, it's all this stuff that it's just like they make it look effortless, which I think is why it also really helps it hold up. <laughs> Splinter, like I mean, he actually calls them idiots. So it cuts <laughs> from su Super Shredder, you know, destroying himself to April in the news report and like. And in a bizarre final note to the mysterious disappearance of TGRI, this message was delivered to the station earlier today. To Leonardo, Michelangelo, oh. Raphael, and Donatello. Idiots. Thanks for your help, dudes. Signed, Professor Jordan Perry. Oi. Of course, we can only guess at its meaning. Oi. He's just like idiots. He just like says it <laughs> so bluntly. He's never been so blunt about them. <laughs> I kind of, I felt like the ending freeze frame, like they kind of, was like they didn't know totally how to literally end the movie so they just like yeah we'll freeze frame on this just kind of felt like <laughs> what uh, if just mid scene they just slowly fade to black <laughs> we we don't know he's not done talking <laughs> <laughs> um yeah because i mean yeah. their their whole thing of like we practice ninja the art of invisibility practice harder oh, oh. ten flips now and remember Go ninja, go ninja, go! I made another funny. <laughs> I do like how he's just so like nonchalant, like he just slowly lifts up the paper and points. Yeah, that, I mean that part is that that is funny. Which I like how the <laughs> ending freeze frames on them all doing the the backflip when the intro to the movie is freeze framing all of them doing the jump forward. It's like bookends. The end. So, are we still turtles fans? Are we still Turtles fans? <laughs> you can take the turtle out of the aquarium, but you'll never take my freedom. Is that the line? I um, I appreciate that they try to keep the turtles relevant even to this day. Yeah, I'm fine and with that. Even though, like, um, even though Michael Bay's didn't perform as well as they could have, the fact that it's just they were still able to get two movies like to be actually made 
and theatrically released, I still greatly appreciate. Because, I mean, I still think that, like, every two years, I catch a win that they're making another t- turtle show, but it's like a reboot. Which, I guess, like, that, thinking about it that way, I can appreciate it. Because even though I didn't love the the CGI turtles and whatnot, having them still keep popping up and still being in the forefront of... um entertainment for like kids or like teenagers and all these things probably will increase the chance of them finding like these original turtles movies which is a win yeah i don't begrudge any of the new iterations even though i might not try to watch them or i won't watch them purely just because i love the turtles and i'll just see everything but dean um, for you i'm gonna watch the michael bay one the first one (laughs) for me (laughs) for you why for me because i know you're not in spite of me oh i see i see in my stead um yeah and they continue like as i we mentioned in our um reboot remake episode seth rogan and evan goldberg or his company they're producing like a new i believe animated feature for the turtles so they're coming again the michael bay iteration i guess is done but Turtles yeah, the are last still going on in the feature world. The most recent thing of theirs that I watched was that Batman versus Turtles thing. Oh, yeah, I haven't seen that. And that was it was good. I mean, it wasn't um, it's been a while since I'd seen it and I don't remember any of the talking points behind it. But I remember I was I wasn't like disgusted by it. <laughs> so it wasn't terrible. <laughs> so it was it was enjoyable. And I did I did enjoy like the twist that they put on the turtles and just seeing the interactions of like, you know, the super jokester Michelangelo trying to crack jokes with Batman. It's just <laughs> not something you see often. So it was funny to amusing to watch. The DVD cover should say a quote from you. I wasn't disgusted by it. <laughs> <laughs> That's the, that's Nick. That's a basically seal of approval from Nick. A lot of those crossovers always kind of seem like, ah, is this going to be good? Yeah, Especially when, with something as big as Turtles. I didn't read them, but I know the Power Rangers crossover with the Turtles in the comics. I don't know if they could make make a cartoon out of that or not. It would tickle like the same demographic, though. Well, if well, you they guys... Did, they, want, they did have that crossover once. If you guys really want some crossovers, DC Comics crossed over with Hanna-Barbera um mm. back in 2017 2018 so if you mm. ever wanted to see like black lightning and hong kong fooey or uh <laughs> uckleberry green Hanna. lantern and space ghost aquaman and jabberjaw <laughs> dean did you see the power rangers crossover with them with who the turtles that's what i said you must not have no listened. like there was um there's a on the i forget which for which show i think it was the power rangers show at the crossover no. oh that i didn't know well, yeah. like the the nineties turtle show with like Venus and whatnot? Yeah, the live action one. Yeah, that one. I had no idea that happened. Yeah, there was a crossover episode. That show was that show was bad. <laughs> it was all on the same network, so I guess it was like easy, like legally for them to do it. Right. Because it was pretty much like Turtles on Soundstage A and then Power Rangers on B. <laughs> right. I had fun no. with that show. I'll have to see. Okay, I guess to be to be honest, I only went back and watched the very first episode, and I guess historically pilots and first episodes are don't hold up to the rest of the series. But yeah, I mean, was... if I listen to our pilot, I wouldn't be a listener. <laughs> How dare you? 
I don't know. The analytics you said that's our most listened one. That's true. But the uh the statistics tell me otherwise. <laughs> I'm a sucker for stats. Well, I think we're we've overstayed our welcome for our listeners here. They've they've been through a long one here with us. Yeah, well, it's, this it's is two and a half hours, but cut out my half hour pizza talk on uh New Haven Pizza <laughs> and we'll be back on the two. <laughs> yeah, so that's the turtles. I'll watch it again. So it's a big episode for us. Should we stick for the next episode? Should we stay on ninjas? Do you think it's your pick? Because I had I had one in the chamber and now we we pivoted to uh, the turtles. Well, yeah, March is the anniversary, so it only makes right. sense. Right now we realize that. So we want to get this out. But I've got another ninja one in the in the <laughs> on deck. Let's, let's pull the ninja trigger. Let's do it. We'll we'll end ninjas for a while after this. Surf Ninjas, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2, and this mystery movie. Beverly Hills Ninja. <laughs> <laughs>